I am very happy to welcome back two guests. I'm welcome. I am joined by Philip and Marianne. Um, go ahead and say hi to our audience. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so uh, for folks that are listening right now, if you want to watch the video version, just go to chillinois.net slash video and you can watch this podcast on your preferred platform. Uh, one more thing before we get into this. Um, if you're listening to this on any platform other than Patreon right now, you're probably listening to this episode at least two weeks late. If you want early access to episodes of the Chillinois podcast, and if you'd just like to support us, become a Patreon. Go to chillinois.net slash Patreon. It's the best way to support us and get exclusive access to new content from me and my friends. So here we go. We're making more content today. Um, Marianne, we were talking to you before the show. Um, mm -hmm. Philip and I have been doing a fun little pet project um, where we break down the history of Illinois cannabis. Mm -hmm. So for folks that haven't seen that yet, check out episode number 232 of the Chillinois podcast. We started in 1978. We fast forwarded to around 2009 when Lou Lang was introducing some language uh, regarding the medical cannabis program, but it's, it's hard to find what exactly happened there because of course, Illinois governor Rod Blagojevich was impeached around that time. So we had some trouble figuring out what the hell happened. Fill us in. So Senate bill um, 1381 passed the Senate and we were trying to get it passed in the house and they killed it basically. So then they got a new sponsor, shocker, and that was uh, Representative Lule, who took the bill. And that's when MPP came in and um, started donating to our local legislators. Marijuana Policy Project, correct? Yes. So when um, they started uh, funding uh, some of it, that's when some of our legislators realize that, okay, here comes some of the money that is coming our way that we thought that would probably come here with the cannabis, um, you know, industry, I guess you can say. So that's how that started. And then it took a few years uh, to get it passed because um, I think that if you've paid attention to the gaming bills and other bills that go through um, our legislation, it takes a few years. It doesn't take, shouldn't take that long, but it takes that long because they have campaign and they need campaign money and they know that you're gonna keep coming back, right? So um, that's what they count on. So that's why it really took as long as it did. And then they were right, the people came. And they, you know, they gave out a lot of money to our legislators in order to be on their good graces, I guess you can say. So it wasn't easy um, because <clears throat> um, Lou had a hard time finding 58 friends that would vote for it. So we were always short. And so I had to go speak to Tom Cross, who was my representative in downtown Plainfield. And uh, he was the head of the GOP and he didn't really want to see me, uh, especially talk about, you know, weed or cannabis. So I had a 
think of different creative ways that most advocates do to try to get to legislators because you know we don't have badges and uh, we don't have clout and we certainly don't have a lot of money. We just have time and energy, um, you know, and use our own money and time to get down there. In every state, you find advocates like that. Myself, my Graham, um, even Dan Lynn, he had no money going down there and trying to get everybody down there it wasn't easy and trying to make sure everybody's dressed appropriately so they could take us seriously. And we only yeah. used the word cannabis. And we were the first state to use the word cannabis. And I'm proud of that because everywhere we went, they're like, oh, you're talking about the marijuana bill? I'm like, no, I'm talking about the cannabis bill. Here you go, Emily McCasey. Here's our pharmacopoeia from 1930. Let me <laughs> yet show it's, you what yet it's, uh, yet it's marijuana policy it's project that is pushing to fund it off. <laughs> exactly, right. right here, cannabis from 1930s. I even right. another one. I mean, you can trying to so, think i always butcher this damn example it was, it was um, pretty bad because they were just flying us off you know like just get away and after about two years sending cases of stella to my local representative which i wanted was, to make uh, sure i was right before i said this uh swedish botanist carl linnaeus first first published the scientific name cannabis yes. sativa in 1753. Yes, so go um, to your local bookstores, the old ones, and find old pharmacopias. They're out there and slam them in your representative's face. Yeah, so really quick, I wanted to make sure that people have the background, you know, because yeah. Philip and I can put it together. Dan Lynn, he was the executive director of Normal at the time. So yes. just you were saying that he was having trouble, Illinois Normal, he was having trouble getting people down there. Can I ask you, you said it's always used the language cannabis. What yes. were some of the early proposals like and how do they compare to what we ultimately got in 2014? We tried to make it as easy as we made the hemp bill. And it was impossible. Was that I too mean, radical for the people of the time? <laughs> like 400 and something pages. Like what? And they can't even grow weed without mold in it. I, I don't understand it. I never understood it. The first couple of bills that we had um was i wanted hp 30 to go through that's the one that i worked really hard on it was a nonprofit bill the first few bills had provisions about mold and testing we had we put the ag in the bill they didn't want to go in the bill we're like you have a lab and you have to make sure that this is done correctly my gram mm. and i had a conversation with them and their lawyer in their boardroom before we passed the final bill and said, it's gonna pass and we've put you in it. And so you need to be prepared. And they're like, oh, we don't have money. We don't have money. That's the first thing they say. We don't have money. We're like, well, you have a lab. That's what you need. You need a lab. So yeah. let's just start there so we can keep an eye on everybody because you, I know, I mean, you were referenced in the article last December where the Sun-Times did report what's in Illinois legal weed. Oh, Remember? yeah. And they found like out of eight, nine pre-rolls, the levels of mold, yeast, and variants of like bacteria. So we're smoking the stuff. But to, to I always like to point out with that, 
we've got some of the strictest standards in the nation. So yes, those shouldn't have been on our shelves, but in any other market, they would have been on the shelves just fine. Right. Philip, you know what I'm talking about? Like in Michigan. Essentially. Yeah. We don't work. We don't work and live in other States. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to, you know, and there were 13 States that had bills passed when we started. Sure. Yeah. 13. And we're like, can we be next? Can we be next? And so we wanted to make sure that the ag was on board, whether they liked it or not, so they could keep an eye on this. So my question is, why aren't they keeping an eye on this? You know, this started for us, patience, being patient. Yeah. And if the question is, if uh, uh, if they are because because they won't fucking tell us anything like the the whole thing about that investigation is those those recalls did they happened by choice it's not like they were mandated by the state and in fact we found that you know they're often dealt privately within the state you know well there is no like like in like in michigan the the mra actually publishes recalls like in illinois it's just on cultivators and dispensaries to do it but those dispensaries are also not supposed to store customer information unless you opt into some kind of a loyalty program or something to store your info there so the people who are supposed to contact you when you have product that's recalled potentially have no way to get in touch with you unless they put up a piece of paper in the dispensary and you come back in and randomly see it and and so they're probably less likely to just do that right (laughs) The state made a lot of money on the first licenses. Yeah. A lot of money. And it was stored in the bank of Springfield. Yeah. And then they had COVID emergency time in the bank of Springfield. So where did that money go is what I guess that's my number one question. And my second question is why is there bacteria and mold? in our legal cannabis industry? And why hasn't there been a consumer recall after the investigation of the Chicago Sun-Times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I was trying to just find the amount of fees that we had taken um, that you were just talking about. I don't wanna go too far ahead because uh, yeah. you just jumped. Sorry. quite far ahead no it's okay it's well I'd, okay. I'd love to go back and talk about mpp and what your opinion yeah. and experience of them is yeah it was the worst experience of any organization i've worked uh aside with i've never been paid by mpp i've seen the people that they have paid some of them fell asleep in their car um and they should have been capital <laughs> Really quick, just because it's a quick fact that I wanted to get out and yeah. I didn't want to shift before we shifted gears to MPP. Um, okay. Then the number that I was looking for back in 2014, not the COVID yes. one that you fast forwarded to, yes. um, Illinois collected more than $5 million in non-refundable fees from the applicants. My question, yeah, where did that money go? Refundable. So. That's the key here. Non-refundable. And so you have a blinded process. Right? Blinded. Redacted all over the place, allegedly, that we had to produce anybody that applied. And we put that bonus point in the bill and we put the gift back in because we wanted them to be better, better than other states. 
better than other people. That's what we wanted. Did we get that? Absolutely not. No, we didn't. We wanted them to know what their give back was to the community. That doesn't mean pay your local mayor. That's not what we meant. What we meant was give it back to local community schools or organizations or shelters. Well, that or, was one of the ways Cresco got more licenses, wasn't it? It was like they, is that what you're talking about? Like they promised to, but they promised to give back like 10% of their profits, right? Yes. yes. Do they still yeah. do that? I don't have know. they ever done that? I have no That's idea. That's my question. <laughs> That's a very good, it's a very good question. I have no idea. And so- But that was how they got those three licenses originally, was, yes, was specifically were, that. Yes, but when you were awarded those licenses, you were supposed to have the money for those licenses. You were supposed to be able to have a certain set time that you had to build your facility and get into your facility. And I don't think that happened. I don't think they built three giant facilities. And, and for what reason? Like my question is, why does one company need three grow licenses? Not just grow licenses, three of the large scale licenses. That there's only 21 yes. that are never going to be yes. issued again. <laughs> right, that's yes. an important point. Yeah. That's a very important point. So, you know, that's how they monopolized it. Because you're my friend and you get three and you're my friend and you get three and whoa, we're on Oprah. Isn't this fun? Like, really? And if you noticed, on that, on that extra stuff where they snagged all these other licenses, if it was blinded, surely a woman a minority, a veteran, and a disabled would have got one. Would have. But they didn't on that. Why? Because they didn't care. Yeah. Am I remembering incorrectly, Philip? But like when we pull up these, do you know, the documents we shared in episode 232, which everybody should check out, um, we shared leaked documents from the Quinn administration. You know, there's a back and forth between uh, the Quinn administration and Bob Morgan about yes. like, hey, we should we should push this. Should we push this? I can I can actually share can this. Just do it, please. Yeah, <laughs> something something to that effect. And we've got citations for for all of that, including you know some of those text messages are in there. Um, I'm I trying. Go back and look at that episode. Find some of that. Let's talk about that because that's really important. Yeah, yeah, no, I was going to say, I actually was just about to pull it up. Here it is. My um, screen glitched there for a second. So I will share these documents really quick. And my question, bringing these up, and I want to get back to your question, Philip, um, about MPP, but like, yes, what uh, my question is, like, if they were exchanging these documents, which clearly had names on it, and, you know, like Lou Lang was saying, oh, this is a blinded process because yes. we don't want people to, you know, know, blinded to the public, I guess, is the point he was trying to make. Yes. But it and definitely wasn't blinded to them because you can see in these documents, these these company names are mm -hmm. clear, you know, um, who they are. So maybe I'm making a stupid point, but I just wanted to, like, no. make it known that, yeah. It's important. So they put... Bob Morgan as the liaisons. How convenient. Mm -hmm. And then he became representative with bills yeah. for 
cannabis industry. Well, and actually for a while, they were calling him in, in many articles, the head of the medical cannabis program. Right. And then they called Toy Hutchinson the czar, which they weren't supposed to do either. And they gave her a new name. I love that right. story. <laughs> I do too. And I don't understand how that yeah, we'll was. talk about that too. Put that on the side note after MPP. We'll just... Yes. I'll, well, I'll I, I, would, I would love to know how you think that fits together. Because in my opinion, she was committed to passing the legislation to get that cannabis regulator job to eventually go to lead MPP. She was supposed to be there as Mike Graham's representative who schooled him on everything from the moment she stepped into that capital on cannabis. That's how that first started. And that's why we went to her under the hemp bill. And I went to my Senator, Senator Holmes, because we couldn't take it to the House of Representatives because we couldn't trust any of them. Not to shift us too far back, but here are the emails that were released by the Rauner administration that showed, uh, as, as I said, medical cannabis program coordinator Bob Morgan, as they called yes. him at the time, uh, was pushing uh, the Quinn administration to act. I know we can't do it at this yes. point, but it would be great if we can say, we'll have it done by next week. Just saying. Um, yes. So. Just saying. Um, so M MPP, uh, so we, we, we kind of branched off Toy Hutchinson, MPP. I don't, you know, um, yeah, I, I am curious to hear. The only reason Toy Hutchinson knows anything about cannabis is because of Mike Graham. Patient and who is Mike he? Graham. Who is he? Mike Graham is, uh, has been down there since, um, since Dan Lynn of Normal. He was so, the patient advocate that would come down there with Julie Falco. Yeah. My thing is whether or not she knew Rick about- Graham is my best friend. Yeah. My, okay, so of course, you know, you want somebody in a position like that to know about cannabis, but my thing is not really that. It's that she, the newspapers reported, and we're going to be covering it in our next episode, Phil, in part two, Electric Boogaloo, uh, Illinois Cannabis History, um, about how it was reported that she was going to be the CROO. And then all of a sudden, she was going to be the advisor. She wasn't going to fulfill that original position. And the, the speculation is that because you, you, because you can't fulfill a position you voted for, that's why they kind of took that turn. Like they had her in mind, but then they're like, wait a minute, we can't do that. My thing is like, how is it? it it's, it's weird that that was acceptable still. Like that that was, was not more of a thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> she held the legislation. How narrow, look at us cannabis women. Look what we did. And, and then she's like, oh, let me just slide into the spot of, you know, being the czar of the cannabis uh, industry for the governor. I, I, that is so wrong well, in any way you package it, even I in just, Tiffany Pops. If you're at all aware of Illinois history, again, I'm not even trying to get into characterizations of toy or whatever. And I, I appreciate you being candid about like, you know, yeah, your perspective on her and stuff. But like, my thing is, if you're at all familiar with the history, which if you're not, check out episode 232, uh, there's always been ac accusations of you know, uh, pay for play insider process, you know, Mark Lavin, a uh, staffer from Pat yes. Quinn's office was yes. on one of those 
he was one of the people that was highlighted as red on those documents we showed yeah, earlier. I talk, I talk about that. So just know that I wrote all of it down in book but, form. And eventually but my thing is like, if you're, if you have that in mind, like I, it just seems audacious. It seems so bold to like, even go down it that path. It's supposed to be blind. <laughs> yeah. This is such a joke. I just can't stop laughing. And I haven't smoked a joint in <laughs> an hour. So I just, this is just unfathomable. Anybody watching this, isn't this crazy? Are you even following any of this? It's and we have, we do have to be careful hard. about that. It is hard to follow, so we have to, we have to be careful about that. You know, but it's tough. Well, <laughs> but that's why. Like, and yeah. and Marianne, I saw you on a different podcast. Like I was just watching it earlier today to just catch up on what you'd been talking about, and yeah. you were saying like. We got to go back to the beginning with something yeah. I like heard you say. And it's like, yeah. that that is kind of what we're trying to do just because I don't feel like people understand how things got to be the way they are. And it's, so it's it, simple, you know? <laughs> killed HP 30, which was the nonprofit bill that we were really pushing. What year was that? It was probably, oh, it was the next bill after 13, uh, Senate Bill 1381. So it was before HB1. And so we had this bill that we were working on, all of us together. We thought advocates, um, Dan Lynn, and um, we didn't know that they were just trying to kill that bill uh, to do HB1, which was 400 and something pages, which is insane because uh, HB30 wasn't, it, wasn't a big bill, maybe 30 pages or something like that. We just, it, are we these just bills for the medical, stuff. are these bills for the medical program? Yes, these okay. Are the yeah. medical program. So that's where we started. We started this with this nonprofit bill, kind of like California did, right? We wanted, cause we knew Illinois was so bad. And at that point we knew what they were doing and what was going on and all those letters and hearsays. We were in the halls of the Capitol and um, bless the souls of some of the secretaries that really um, liked Mike Graham and I and helped us along in the hallways uh, with whispers. So we were kind of lucky that we did have some uh, people that were decent, not a lot. Um, we saw MPP in there and their main objective was to get a bill passed. Didn't matter what kind, they really didn't care. They just wanted to get on to the next state to say, look, there we go. We got another one where we cared. We didn't want to go back because we knew how long it took us to get to this legislation and that we were heartbroken for the patients that were dying. And some of them did that came to the Capitol with us when they were sick. And we thought about those people when we came to the Capitol. We didn't think about money and numbers of licenses and who could screw who and get a license. That's not what we were there for. That's not why we spent all our time to do that. Our time was for the patients that we dragged with us in these hallways. Yeah. that had long days begging our legislators. When did that type of concept that you just brought up come about? the whole controlling and let's, let's regulate, let's, let's make it the most strict. And MPP and the representative who sponsored the bill. 
did they endorse it? Did they like endorse that over yes. uh, a more nonprofit thing? Cause they thought it would be easier paid, to pass. Cause they like paid a lobbyist, this is before even Chris was there. They paid a few Chris, lobbyists. Make sure we're given all the background, Chris, who, and yeah, make so, sure you given all the background. So first it was, um, Dan Walker, they had some guy, John Walker, last name was Walker. And then he, uh, got it to, we call DC Dan, let's just say. <laughs> so DC Dan came from Washington MPP and he pissed off, um, some of the Republican people to the point where Mr. Durkin kicked him out of his office, who was that the GOP after Tom Cross. Okay. So when HB 30 died, we were all down there. We were all waiting. The gaming guys were next to us. They were waiting. Um, the right for gay marriage, they were waiting. And they would play like ping pong with us. Oh, if you're gonna, you know, not pass, you know, equal opportunity for everybody to get married, then we're gonna throw the weed people on you, or we're gonna throw, you know, the racing guys on you. And it was like, you are, we patience here. Like, how dare you? This isn't a Republican issue. This isn't a Democrat issue. This is if you're a dying issue. If you need this medicine for comfort, which most people do. So that was our number one reason we were there and working so hard and we wouldn't take no for an answer. And then when we found out that they killed HB 30 on purpose for HB one, that's when Mike Graham and I stopped advocating down there. Um, and that's when we started getting calls from other people and other representatives telling us to toe the line because we've been down there for so long in the faces of this, but we have integrity and we have souls and we were there for the patients and not many other people were. And I can tell you that, swear on the cannabis Bible. Yeah, I mean, I think you can tell the that medical law like wasn't patient oriented because like Cole and I have talked about this before, the difference in Michigan and Illinois. And I know you have history of being a caregiver in Michigan. I do. But yeah. like that whole program is centered around the idea of cannabis as just medicine, like not as a means of profit. Yeah. But in Illinois, the only way to ever get your weed legally was to buy it at a commercial store. Yeah. So it's like they're mixing this profit motive with medicine. Like, you know, I get that's how we set it up in this country usually, but it seems like of all things. And now we're mixing it with equity. Outside of that. Yeah. I apologize, well, Phil. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no. you're Phil, you're right. And this you're is the part that right. the advocates that have their boots on the ground that weren't, you know, trying to make deals with anybody. We were there for, uh, to give a voice to the voiceless for the patients that couldn't show up on certain days that were sick. And Mike Graham is a patient. And there were days that I had to stop the car for him to get sick because he was nauseous. And, and you know, we were sitting there begging these legislators. It, it was so unreal. And so MPP came in and they paid DC Dan and then they paid two other local Illinois um, lobbyists to go around and talk to all the 
legislators about, you know, MPP and what they're doing with the bill and, you know, jump on the sponsor is Representative Lou Lang, get it through committee and jolly, you know, it's going to be great. And so then Mike and I would go after that and have meetings and say, you know what, it's not going to be great. You shouldn't vote for this bill. And so that didn't go over so well um, <laughs> with some of the people in the Capitol, like especially MPP. Um, and it was still the time where um, I say this in a way that's not from the South side of Chicago and that's not me. So I'm just probably just to say it. So MPP um, had their lobbyists run around and Mike and I, uh, by then, I'd already made friends with the head of the GOP. So we hid out in the GOP's office while they were all running around trying to see um, who we were talking to because we did our own roll call list. <laughs> they really didn't know. They had their roll call list of who their yeses and who their maybes were. And we had that. So then we went after all their yeses and all their may no maybes and all their no's. And we told them that this was not a great bill and that they shouldn't support it. And we did our best to try to stop it. And we were unsuccessful. And then when they passed it, they all had a party at the University of Chicago Hospital and Mike Graham and I weren't invited. And Dan Lynn called us and told us where it was. And so we crushed it anyway. <laughs> I like that spirit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's free, you know? When you don't, when you keep your integrity and you don't take anybody's money, you can do things like that. There's a lesson yeah. to be learned in that. When you take other people's money and you do things like that, then you can't really have a choice of who you stand up for. Mm -hmm. And we knew who we wanted to stand up for. And so you should really have Mike Graham on and I'll get you in touch with Jamie Lowell, who's fighting in Michigan. And he's a good friend of mine. And I did grow in Michigan and I love that model. And I would like to move back and, and save that bill because the people voted in that bill in 2008. They didn't have a referendum. They just put it on the ballot. They got enough signatures to do so. Well, they changed our constitution 1978 and 79. So we can't do that. I was gonna do that. I was gonna try to get 500 signatures or 500,000 signatures uh, to get it on the ballot. But in Illinois, we're, we don't have that, that capability of doing it. Yeah, we only have like advisory ballots, right? Yeah, so they'll note it They'll note it because I, I said that to the sponsor of the bill. I said, well, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna get 500,000 signatures and you know, we're gonna do something about it. And he's like, go ahead, we're just gonna note it. We're gonna note that you got 500,000 signatures. That's what he said to me. Well, it's true, right? It doesn't really carry any power. No, it doesn't. So Michigan got extra and extra. And the first time, remember, they got voted down like 2007 and they came back again. And it was just like, they had tons of patience 
if we had tons of patients down there, when we were down there, they wouldn't have been able to do it. They wouldn't have been able to get away with what they did on HB1. They wouldn't. And so mm -hmm. that's what kills me is that we had sick and dying patients that we were trying to like shove in front of them, tell them no. Yeah, you tell us no all day long. Tell them no. We brought a soldier with us in some of these meetings. I brought him in Tom Cross's meeting because <laughs> Tom Cross kept telling me no. And after two years and many cases of Stella where I'd write my bill number on each one and I'd walk up the stairs clanking with, you know, a case of beer and I'd drop it off at their secretary and I'd say, you know, just Marianne here, if you have some time or a moment to talk about, you know, HB 30, this bill, or if you can give me, you know, two minutes of meeting, you know, right down the street. And then the next month I'd come again, clinking bottles on the Stella with this red Sharpie on the white, you know, label HB 30. Cause I knew they'd drink the beer and I knew they'd take, take off the And then if I'm in the hall, that said they have their license plates with their number on it. So I paid like 200 bucks and I got HB30. <laughs> and when I would drive and I'd park at all these different places and just, I mean, literally the shit we did was unbelievable, but they noticed, <laughs> they noticed us for sure. And so the thing that kills is that Tom Cross voted for HP1. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't even in, we weren't even invited down anywhere near it not even that you know per the chicago tribune ray long quoted quoted um toy hutchinson as saying that uh ray long called her and not Ray long uh, lou lane called her and told us to to keep us out of the building that we shouldn't work on the hemp bill that we we got our legislate our senators to to carry for up. It was just bullying, you know, so badly, and so we had to just bully them back, basically. Um, Mike Graham and I. It was basically Mike Graham and I trying to save HB thirty and um, not let HB one happen because we knew we knew we'd be here right now. So, well, it would have been great if there was more uh, back then, if there had just been more attention on cannabis and if we had had social media, maybe more prevalent back then, there could have been more of an effort to shame people. Well, <laughs> they did do that. Okay. We well, could not yeah. impress. No one would talk to us. They're like, nah, it's not a story, not a story. Blah, blah, blah. When's the bill getting passed? Uh, it was all this crap. I was like, Ugh. so we went and got Al Jazeera. Okay, it's on my website. If you go to the cannabisadvocate.net and you go to the video part, you'll see it from back then, 2014. Mike Graham and I walking through the hallway with Al Jazeera because we said, if we can't get news here, we're going to shame them when they go visit the Middle East or when they go to China or when they go anywhere there and they're at the airport. They're gonna see me and Mike at the Capitol. Yeah, so they well, I mean, followed us through the hallways all day long. 
and representatives were scattering and doors are slamming. <laughs> you have to, you have to go see it. The cannabis advocate.net it's on there. Yeah. And we were begging in the hallways and we were trying to save HB 30 really, really badly. I swear. Cannabis advocate.net was, you know, yeah, if you I think it's it easy up, to, I think it's easy to forget all that history. Cause it just isn't out there really, you know, but that's what Michigan has always had. Like that's, I'm so proud of, you know, all of them there because the pay, you know, Jamie Lowell and all these advocates didn't have money. They had nothing. And they would show up and they would convince these patients that they were going to grow good weed for them. And they would know who was growing their weed for them. And they can come see their weed, whoever's growing their weed. And that comforts patients and people when they can go to their caretaker's house and see their weed being grown. Well, and even outside of even outside of that, like if the state acknowledges that people certainly medically deserve a right to grow their own medicine, if they can't afford the dispensary, if they just don't want to, if they if one's too far or whatever, there are sick. medical patients who arguably are not physically able to grow their own weed. They're too sick. They got cancer. They're yeah. worried. About so no one else is gonna, no one else is allowed to yeah. grow their homegrown medicine for them. They're still stuck in the market. Yeah. <laughs> No, I know. And so now that's why that bill is the most, I talk about this all the time. Michigan's bill is the most important bill. We should all have Michigan's bill because it's caretakers. So you can grow for five patients. And if you are a patient, you can grow for yourself, 12 plants each. So it's for folks yes. listening and wondering and maybe taking a note for later, it's the cannabisadvocate.net. Um, yes. Which video so were you wanting me to show? There, the CCTV, that's the one. Hit that one. That's fun. <laughs> this is from... Welcome back. You'll see. For decades, the U.S. government has outlawed marijuana, classifying it as an illegal drug. But it's quickly gaining acceptance as a medicine where it's sold legally to people in several states. Campaigners in Illinois now believe they've crafted a piece of legislation that would allow the distribution of marijuana only to patients who can genuinely use it for pain relief. America's now contributing correspondent Craig Morrow brings us this report. Marianne Longmar and Mike Graham are working the rails in the lingo of Illinois state capitol. In other words, they're doing some old-fashioned political lobbying. And what everybody does here is uh, they're from different corporations or they have different causes. Um, ours is uh, HB 30, which is the medical cannabis bill, and uh, we're two votes short. And we've been two votes short for two years. And um, we come down and we try to get the legislators out of their offices or out of their chambers. So we put a card in and they come out and we talk to them. The bill HB 30 would allow patients in Illinois with certain diseases like cancer, AIDS, and multiple sclerosis to use marijuana or cannabis as medicine. Here's a drug that uh, the side effects is, is severe kidney damage. Uh, here's a narcotic that it's liver damage. Mike Graham suffers from degenerative disc disease and has a morphine pump surgically implanted in his back. Before he started using marijuana, he took a cocktail of 14 pharmaceutical drugs to treat his condition. 
I, I used to be hospitalized four or five times a year due to the side effects and the compounding effects of all these drugs. Um, I haven't been hospitalized in, in three years since I've been off of all these other than my normal operations. Illinois would be the 18th U.S. state to pass a medical marijuana law. So far, almost all of the laws on the books allow patients suffering from, quote, chronic pain or nausea to use the drug. Critics say that description is too vague and leaves too much room for interpretation, allowing non-deserving patients to get legal access to marijuana. <laughs> and despite the mishmash of state laws across the country, federal U.S. law still classifies marijuana as an illegal substance. The legal discrepancies have created confusion. States like California, which enacted the country's first medical cannabis law, raids on dispensaries are not uncommon. California federal prosecutor Melinda Hogg says criminals are exploiting what is supposed to be a medicinal trade. What was that? It's 2014. And then Jamie Lowe's on that also. And they show, oh, they, if you fast forward again, you'll see me and Mike going through the whole, and people were dodging us. <laughs> Just dodging us because they're like, they, someone came up to us and says, you know, you got some balls. You got some balls bringing press in here at a uh, campaign year. I'm like, it's always a campaign year. So. I love that politicians really do think that we answer to them. Yeah. You see it it's, right there. All, you're it's all like, it's like a yeah. sickness. Please talk, <laughs> Please talk to me about patients dying. Like. Is it at the very oh, end? I saw I saw Kelly Cassidy and I saw I saw Kelly Cassidy in that clip, you know. And I would just point out the fact that she got to office originally by appointment. She wasn't elected to her first to her position, um, so it's no, like no wonder they don't think they they answer to people. <laughs> of course they don't. They come out these big giant Lincoln doors, and their egos so big that we probably have to carve them even larger than they already are because it's like. They're supposed to talk to you. We pay them. But they don't talk to any of us. They just talk to corporations. But you're standing next to a corporation. So now you even feel even dirtier because you're a citizen trying to fight for your citizens that are dying. And they're going to go talk to the corporation and not you. So at the end, you see, they, they snubbed me. There's a pic, there's one in there that I think is Cassidy or someone that snubbed me, just went right past me. And I was like, that's our local officials that we pay them finally. It's disheartening because here we are. Well, yeah. I was going to say the other thing is like, yes, not only do we pay them finally, but they seem to get paid finally, as Philip and I pointed out in episode 232. Um, I mean, well, I'm and I don't want to take, I don't want to take complete credit for that. Hold on a second. I don't, I cannot do take another episode on three, uh, 232 because I'm sure there's other fill-ins that I can fill yeah, in. Yeah, please listen to it and, and let us know okay. if, you know, take notes and let us know if we missed anything. But I wanted to make sure that I can't, we, you know, I can't, we can't take complete credit for finding this out. I, at least from, from my perspective, it started with um, the Chicago Tribune's reporting that $600,000 went into reporting. And then Philip is the one that showed me how to actually look up the contribution 
information like on Illinois' website and stuff. So like I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, Thank you. Can't Both take of credit. you for taking the time to do something like that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, but but so you were saying they're paid, you know, handsomely. Yeah, they they get paid, I guess, pretty well as a public official. But one of the things we found is that they get paid pretty goddamn well, uh, <laughs> you know, through ca- campaign donations and such. You know, dinner do. is here, free dinner. You know, you oh, save a lot of money when you don't got to pay for fucking dinner. <laughs> and airfare and uh, Sox tickets and Cubs tickets and Blackhawks tickets and Bears tickets all well, on us. And I wonder too, because like they were only allowed, like the cannabis companies in Illinois were only allowed to start giving contributions in 2017. Right. But like because they were probably, Judge but weren't Lee- they? But I would assume before that they were still like taking people out to dinner and inviting them to- We were doing all of the above, but we put in a provision that they get federal paychecks, just like they say that our universities that get federal money can't study cannabis. They get federal paychecks. So technically they shouldn't be taking money from people that can't put it in a bank. I mean, especially in a state like Illinois. (laughs) Well, that's why we put it in the first bill. And then if you look up Judge Lee downstate. Is he the one who okayed the He okayed it and said, because the gaming guys can do it. Oh, really? Who came up with that idea? But you can show going to bet on a gaming thing. And they have bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Can't industry right. not have bank accounts, so they shouldn't be donating to our legislators that get federal funding. I mean, yeah, and they do it. They do it regularly, um, as we found. And it's funny because you know all of the politicians have the same example. Like, hey, I don't pay attention to my campaign contributions. They don't influence how I vote. Um, you know, so that's kind of funny, but Hey, I, I, I know that it's like, I want to make sure though, that we're doing this, uh, chronologically. So okay. I feel like we're past 2014 at this point and we're yes. maybe into 2015, 2016, we're starting to here. lead up to yeah. a press conference that I'm going to be able to share, uh, yes. here in a moment, but, but I wanted, I didn't want to jump ahead Can at I all. Can I set the precedence up for this though? Please. So after we stumbled upon everything that you talked about episode, what was it? 232. 232. Thank you for <laughs> 232 for your homework, everybody that's watching this. We need to go yeah. back to that because we're going to have another podcast to talk about just that episode. So when we found out the same thing you found out in episode 232, I wrote it all down, everything, all of it from the Sweet. moment I stepped in the Capitol, everything I saw, everything I witnessed. Everything that happened to me in my ground, every single thing. And I wrote it for all of you citizens. And I wrote it as if I was talking to you, walking down the hallway with me. And so when they realized that the article that uh, the Better Government Association wrote on 2015 on Representative Lou Lang. If you could pick, if you could find that and pull that up real quick, because that's yeah. really important. 
What'd you say the headline so was again? It was um, a Reboot Illinois, um, Lou Lang, um, the Better Government Association. They wrote an article uh, based on information that I gave them, which were parts of the things that I wrote down. And they um, wrote this article and it was specifically for the purpose of covering my ass. Cause I knew that once the Better Government Association wrote about it, then it would be really hard to try to discredit me if I ever came forward. Um, I'm not finding anything right now. That's just cause maybe I'm Googling, I'm doing a bad Google. Um, let Better me show you association Lou Lang and put cannabis. Maybe that will come up. Ah, uh, yeah, true. I'll do cannabis in there, but I was going to say, I'm yeah. Doing reboot Illinois, Lou Lang cannabis, better government association. Um, maybe hold on a second. I'm going to, yeah, try to find this. Um, Okay, hold on. The article is legislator gets donations after backing medical marijuana law, June 14th. Oh, after okay, backing yeah. medical. We maybe talked about we, that article, Cole. I was going to say, I think maybe we have that one right there. See that? Mm hmm. That How'd article. You? Everybody needs to read that article. So, that article, Cole, I'll send it to you right now. Yeah, thank you. I'm struggling over here. So this article, if you can see the picture. Lou Lang. And what is beside on both sides? You have cannabis on one side and you have money, money. on the other. And this article was from June 14th, 2015. Yeah, and thank you for telling folks the the picture because so there are some the folks that are listening. This is why I came forward, and the only reason because I did not want anybody to know anything that I was doing, anything, because I was listening and I was watching. A Better Government Association review found Lang's campaign fund collected about fifty thousand dollars in donations flowing from would-be pot growers and sellers, lobbyists who counted them as clients and other interested parties since 2009, the year Lang first introduced medical marijuana legislation. Yeah. Very so there, they were, there was no pot program yet, so they just donated because they were like looking to be, right? Well, he was a sponsor of the bill. Well, right, right, but like the campaign contributions being yes. illegal until 2017. These people got involved in HB1, which they shouldn't have. But they would have just been contributing like under their own name or They were contributing other... under their own name or they might have missed a vowel. Yeah, or some other business they have or something. Or mm. they might have just missed a vowel or two. Yeah. Yeah. So if I you mean, go back how, and misspell some names. It's funny because when I was looking, when I was looking contributions up, I found like there's a cannabis company, ESO, I-E-S-O, 
but like yeah. two of their contributions are spelled lesso. Exactly the right. L and the I look the same. Exactly right. That's how that's kind of funny. It's like, oh, is that a mistype? Or... <laughs> that's it. We cracked the case. That's it. Bravo. So it wasn't just $50,000, it was more. They just misspelt names. Okay. So, and this is in 2015, right? So, yes. So, gotcha. after that was, uh, nobody knew who, how they got that, how the Better Government Association got any information and why they were now going after the sponsor of the cannabis uh, bill. Oopsie daisy. And then um, I uh, then started to feel like maybe I should be very nervous or <laughs> I should be very scared. But I grew up uh, in Michael Madigan's neighborhood and there are many days uh, you were scared. And so now um, I've grown up and now I'm not scared anymore. And so when I realized that they may be harassing me and Mike Graham and blackballing me and Mike Graham and telling legislators not to work with me and Mike Graham and quoted by the Chicago Tribune, not let us in our building that we're working for free for our sick and dying patients and we're paying you and you're telling us that we can't come into our capital? Like, for real? So the, the first day of session of 2018, before you start playing some of this, um, I went to the Capitol with farmers because the medical cannabis uh, community that stole the first licensing were trying to steal the second uh, hemp bill from our farmers saying that it was only, uh, it was medicine. And since they had the licenses that our farmers could only grow their seeds. Yes. And Toy Hutchinson lodged that bill. And then Mike Graham and I went postal almost. And Mike Graham went to her, his legislative senator and said, have you read that bill? And she said, no. So they paid her to lodge that bill. And we told her that we had press waiting and that she should go up the potley fine and tell the other guy in the House of Representatives that we have press waiting. And then we took about 50 or 70 farmers the day before the cannabis industry was gonna get there and lobby. And we went to every single one of them. And we said, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare do that. And so then we had scarlet letters. And they were really coming after us. Lou Lang actually called Mike Graham and I and screamed at us. What do you like mean scarlet letters? Two seconds. Because we were, we were, we were the plague. We, we weren't allowed in our capital. No one would talk to us. All oh. our yes, all our yes votes, all our roll call people, we couldn't even get in gotcha. to talk to. And then, so 
the last day of session, I showed up and I held a press conference and they didn't know who it was gonna be. And they knew it was somebody on Representative Lou Lang. And I came forward on harassment of all sorts. Like 300 women get sexually harassed down there badly. And they wrote a letter, like, could you stop? Like, we're not here for you. Like, most of us aren't here for you. And it was degrading. And I worked in the board of trade and that should tell you something. Like, really, it was degrading. These are our legislators that are writing our laws. Like, how dare you? So I didn't take anybody's advice that told me not to go to Springfield. And so I said, I'm going. And Mike said, Mayor, it's suicide. And I said, I'm going. And so I drove dead of night to Springfield by myself. It was the most out of fucking body experience I've ever had in my entire life. It was like someone just put me on a coat hanger. It's like, you're going kid, whether you like it or not, you got to do this. And so I stayed at a bed and breakfast out of town because I was scared to death. And then one of the GOPs housed me. It was a female who didn't even vote for the medical cannabis bill because she felt so sorry for me that she knew that I was going to be fed to the wolves when I went to the microphone. And so I knew that too. But at this point, I was not going to let them intimidate us any longer. And I knew everything that they did. And so I knew if I told the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, that people would believe me. And as scared as I was, and my voice quivered, and I was, I was so scared. I haven't, I haven't even watched all of that because I just felt like if I didn't do this, then they were just gonna continue to get away with this, all of it. And so I didn't work all these years for the patients and everybody in Illinois to get a fair chance for this. I didn't wait, I didn't want it to waste all my time and everything that we did and all the money we spent of our own money, not having money to spend in hotels because we weren't taking MPP's money. So we drive home the three and a half hours. Then the next day we go again. It was just, it was heartening, you know, badly. And so that's why the last day of session, I came forward and I outed Representative Lou Lang for harassment and, and doing what he did to the medical cannabis industry by being a part of it and, and making this monopolization happen. Yeah, and uh, we're about to watch um, a report I found on on just that. It's a quick report, so um, is resuming. Everyone in Springfield was talking about the president's comments this morning, including State Representative LaShawn Ford. He told NBC5 that he supports the idea of... Blagojevich. So this actually has nothing to do with it. I thought it was interesting, though. I encourage him to pardon Bogoyevich because we have to have a country where we're forgiving. And I believe that Rod would not be a menace to 
our country. He would not be a menace to society. I voted to impeach him. We removed him as governor, and we need him to be a part of paying taxes and not being a tax burden. Ford also says Blagojevich deserves to be home with his family. And that's not the only big news out of Springfield today. Allegations of abuse of power against a high-ranking Democrat, Representative Lou Lang. NBC5's Marianne Ahern is live at the Capitol with more. Marianne. Good afternoon to you, Patrick. Representative Lang denies the allegations. At the same time, he has decided to step away from his leadership position. That does raise some questions. To say that it has been a volatile day in Springfield would be an understatement. I have everything to lose by coming here in front of all of you. Everything. I've lost everything. Marianne says she had spent nearly 10 years at the state capitol as an advocate for various causes, including medical marijuana. She accuses State Representative Lou Lang, the House Deputy Majority Leader, of harassing her. I was harassed. Mm -hmm. I was intimidated. I was humiliated and blackballed. From beginning to end, the allegations are absurd. Lankar not only describes bullying, threatening phone calls, and inappropriate behavior, but says she witnessed Lang and two other lawmakers offered $170 million in bribes during the medical marijuana bill negotiations. That's why she says she was singled out. He called my ex-husband and offered his service to bury me any way he could. If I have $170 million somewhere, Help me find it. House Speaker Mike Madigan released a statement saying, quote, I appreciate the courage it takes for individuals to come forward, to share their experiences, and in doing so, urge us all to do better. Lang is stepping down from his leadership post as the deputy majority leader. I just don't want my situation to be in anybody's way. I have a responsibility the after situation. years in the House Democratic Caucus. It means something to me. The situation is absolutely guilty and that I am absolutely right. What's next? Representative well, Lang has asked for the legislative inspector general to take a look and open an investigation and sort the facts from the fiction. Reporting live from the Illinois House Chambers, Marianne Ahern, NBC. And really quick, before you, uh, uh, Marianne, I just wanted to say it didn't include in this newscast. It, didn't include, it included it in the other one. He stepped down from those leadership positions, but I believe he ran unopposed. He didn't step, he didn't step down as a representative. Nope. So what happened was during my press conference, at the beginning of it, it was about four minutes in, and I started was, uh, hi, my name is Marianne, and I come from the 60629. And those of you that don't know zip codes as well as the speaker does, that is Mike Madigan's neighborhood. And I have run through every single blade of grass in that neighborhood growing up. Um, because I knew that Representative Lou Lang would be sitting next to uh, the speaker, and I wanted him to know that I couldn't go speak to uh, an inspector general because for many years there wasn't one. Like for four years, when all these women and everybody were getting harassed, there's supposed to be um, an inspector general that talks to our ethic committee about what's going on, wrongdoings. 
Lou Lang was head of the ethic committee. And for four years, they didn't hire an inspector general. But if they had, they wouldn't be independent. Yeah. So what that and means is if they investigate him or me or you, they take that findings to our legislators that are sitting on an ethic committee that decides, should they bury that? So what I, and I just wanted to say this for the sake of clarity, not only did he step down from whatever leadership positions he had, but from deputy, what I recall, leader, and then um, he Jay stepped Cobb. down from the, yep. He also stepped down from the ethics committee as well. Correct. Cause he, he made a statement saying that the ethics committee. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, who took his spot from the ethic committee was Senator Link. You know where Senator Link is now? wearing a wire against Madigan and them and indicted under RICO. So then he became the head of the ethic committee. So if you had a complaint or being bullied or shaken down by any of our legislators or sexually harassed, which 300 and plus women wrote a letter, let me just get back to that again, to all our legislators like, we're not there for you. Sorry. Have a nice gonna say, wasn't that the big like Mike Madigan story before the corrupt before the bribery scandal? Was that he ran a Springfield that was like rampant with sexual harassment? Yes. <laughs> like even Kelly Cassidy came out and like said Everybody he should. Step. That's how they do it. Like you don't like it? Too bad. It's like Al Capone, like fucking shit like you know you're my broad and that's just how it's gonna be and you know you want your legislation passed baby it's like you're like what like what have i just stepped, I stepped into my capital but it's like you open up your door the capital thinking you're there doing good for your citizens and you're do, you know learn about law and you're figuring out amendments and you know trying to do something good for the common good of fucking all of us okay let's just start there and it's like walking into a speakeasy. And, and it is, and I, again, I worked in the soybean pits. I've got brothers and all boy cousins and lived in a neighborhood of cops and union men and firemen. And, you know, they were assholes and they were assholes to their kids. And then their kids came out of the house and they were assholes to the rest of us. So after a while, you're like, yeah, I got my degree in asshole. So now I'm gonna use it. And so that was my out of body experience. And I was so scared during that clip because I went there by myself. I was driving home by myself. Mike couldn't go with me. I was like, they're going to kill me, yes. But, you know, I wrote everything down and, um, you know, the Chicago Tribune has been writing things and the Better Government Association have been writing things. Well, so I'd love to talk about my asshole the, has been checked out several times. The other part of your like allegations was yes. that someone was offered like a hundred and seventy million dollar bribe. Correct. Yes. Something there along those a, lines. Let's just say there was this alleged meeting that Mike Graham went to. <laughs> and lawyer Eric Berlin, and there was a company, 
by the name of Medponics. So just Google Med Medponics Cannabis Illinois. They're still suing the state since 2014. And would you not ask yourself at that point, you could have gone to a different states and set up by them? <laughs> but, but, right? I mean, seriously, but they haven't and they're still suing. So they sued Cresco first. Yes, they did. And then uh, the funny story about that is um, Charlie wasn't the CEO at the time when they lodged their application. It was a man from Denver Relief by the name of Kayvon that put his name on um, more than a few applications. So they should have uh, been looked at from the beginning on that. Um, and so Medponics felt that they should have gotten one. So they keep suing people in the districts that they were going to go in in 2015. I, so yeah, you just got to Google it. It's there. And Did you see me sharing it there too? So no, did you see me? Oh, you didn't see me sharing it. I was, I was sharing so it on my gotta, screen. Yeah. So you got to do that. And so it's just in Denver relief is from Denver. And we put in um, the Illinois residents because Denver already had a medical cannabis program. And we didn't want these people coming from different states and stealing our jobs, our chances, our equal opportunity like they got. Yeah. So we were really the first monopoly state. And then they went to Ohio and they called that. Is this what you were talking about, Marianne? Yes. What year is that? I, I get, I've given up on how many people they're suing still. And well, this is in 2021 at this point. Interesting. That's, okay. There's more. There's more like current still. I think. I mean, they reference. Yeah, they reference the original 2014. And you, yeah, and if you, exactly, Medponics right there. See. Everybody just has to Google Medponics. Were they were they involved with up. the bribe offering then, or is that what um, I, they were uh, they were at this meeting? And you know when and Mr. Luleng got upset and told Mike Graham that this is why they don't because he objected. This is why we don't have advocates in meetings. <laughs> Yeah. So Marianne, I, I like Phil's yeah. question a lot because, you yeah. know, as he pointed out, it's the time at that time, that was the talk yeah. of the town, all the sexual, yeah. you know, allegations and everything. Yeah. But like he just pointed out, I felt like one of the things you said, which ultimately ended up being true, was that there was this bribe that, you know, would somebody was asking to form something like a monopoly and Frankly, wanted, we, we they, see something wanted, like a monopoly. So what I'm wanted, at, they wanted all of it. If they offered a state so much, let us be the McDonald's brand. Let us be the, you know, yeah. you can count on us. Right. And no. so if you look where Medponics originally um, had their address was, um, was uh, Lake County. And the the senator of um, Lake County is, I'll give you 10 points. Who is it? Senator Terry Link. Oh, well, interesting. Link. Oh, so, that, yeah, you said the Link name earlier. Sorry. I was like, so what does that ring about? It, you know, 
again, when the story of the truth is the truth and you don't change the story, then all the other stories start changing. And so you just have to, that article, put that med, if you just Google Medponics cannabis monopoly, there are more articles that come out. And it's been not easy for me and Mike because we have been the masterminds of feeding this out to the public and to the press so that if anything happened to us, that it would be out there and people would find it. And so people like you that are finding things and talking about it and exposing it in your episode 232 that everybody has to uh, read before <laughs> we do the next uh, podcast of that. So we can circle back to that because, you know, the proof is the proof. Like when you have, you know, your cannabis Bible, if it's, it's the proof, like, what do you, you're not, you're not going to call it marijuana because there's no such word in this book. It's yeah. Cannabis. Hold on a second. I, I just found something very interesting when I Googled Med, uh, Medponics Monopoly, Illinois. A Denver businessman is trying to monopolize the medical marijuana market in Illinois, a competitor claims oh. in an antitrust complaint. Medponics, Illinois sued Kaven Kala. I'm not even going to try, and yes. his cannabis Calvary. cultivation center. Yes. On May 18th in a Lake County court, Medponics yes. claims that in trying Look to- Look at that date, go up. 2015. 2015, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have to add that one to the document, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Medponics claims that in trying to skirt the regulations and limitations mm. regarding maximum cultivation center permits imposed by the Illinois, blah, 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 has deprived plaintiff of all opportunity to operate a cannabis cultivation center in Illinois. This is definitely yes. interesting. Um, it's so interesting because now more. the monopoly is eating the monopoly and Mike and I are sitting there, Coca-Cola classic, eating our popcorn, watching all going down. Look at this, Phil. The rest of the world. That like very evening. Catch up. It's interesting PTS is mentioned in this. Isn't it? That yes. very evening PTS wrote rewrote yes. DRC's role on their website and, and removed references. And their lawyer, their lawyer is interesting as well. Ka so Kala Dabari is the CEO of Cresco Labs. Jesus yes. Christ, this is like a fucking spider web here. From, what? From Denver. This is, I, wish, I mean, I wish, how did I, I not know I about this article? All wait, wait, new wait, in my wait. brain right now, but I assure you, I wrote it all down and I fed it out and out and out and out and out and out and out from the back halls of the Capitol. Yeah, that's a really interesting article. <laughs> yeah, well, well there's like be 10 or 12 little document. things I saw there that I would like to look at more. <laughs> yeah, I'll you have that to, one. and we'll, we'll go back to page section 232 in the next podcast. Hang that right there. <laughs> yep. Phil, if you, if you want to see that link, it's at the top of the document right now. Mm -hmm. um, two of the links that we brought up today that I thought were new. Um, so, so after all of those years and after all of that, that's why I was like, you know what? As scared as I am, bets are off. I'm going there and I'm going to do this and I'm going to show up and I'm going to say what I got to say and I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. So then uh, did you kind of like stop 
in like being involved in Springfield? Because I would imagine you were kind of persona non grata at that point. Yeah, or? Oh, yeah. And then to, and then Toy took over and we had to go in and we had to save the hemp bill for the farmers. And then we were really like ousted. Like Mike and I had COVID before anybody knew COVID existed. It was horrible. And we were blackballed uh, from the industry. We did apply for a license. Uh, in my hometown with the blessing of my hometown. Um, and we had all those provisions in there, the provisions that we wrote to give back all of it to, um, we were gonna build it really green to keep it low. We were gonna do patient's health center. It was gonna be just a dispensary for patients where we could have organic um, cannabis. We had a letter from Rick Simpson that uh, he sent to the ad, um, and our, uh, just to say that we were good people and that we were genuine and we were fighting the good fight. And he has counseled me uh, since 2014 when I wanted to give up like really, really bad. Um, so everybody's got to get Rick's book. He really needs help. He had a stroke and not many people know about it. So we could talk about that one another day, but please, please buy his book. Uh, and on my website, there's a GoFundMe if you guys can give it. Uh, some money. I would really, really appreciate it. So uh, yeah, so he would um, say, you know, keep going. They're, they're going to do everything they can to you. Um, and you got to keep going. And so I did. And then I met Irv Rosenfeld in the hallway. I was um, going to ask you to pull out your Irv Rosenfeld, Tim. Okay. So I met Irv Rosenfeld. Everybody's got to get Irv's book because he free weed, you know, early, early on for patients. And he still gets a tin of weed from our government while they say it's federally legal. It's shit weed, but he gets it. Uh, it's a tin like this. He's also going to start selling his tins for 420. So when I... Last year, I went to go see Rick Simpson because I'm trying to put this documentary about advocates and how hard it is to be an advocate and showcase Michigan and Rick and Irv and some of the advocates on the West Coast. And um, we'll talk about that later. So I went to finally talk to Rick and have some time with him last year. And so before I went, Irv sent me one hips tins. And so it says like, can you read that without a glare? Yeah. Yeah. Hold hold that up again. I can try to read it for folks. Um, marijuana cigarettes, approximately 300 cigarettes per can net weight. Yeah. Wow. You know, I've got a coworker that has been telling me about these things for years. Yeah. He's going to freak out yeah. when I show him this. Why it's federally illegal, why they have a patent on cannabinoid medicine. But that's the, those were joints. Those are joints supplied by the government still to by this day. By the government. Now, of course, he didn't send me any right. joints in there. It's like, really? Come on. Couldn't you just send me the joints? I know somebody that packed joints like that. And so I can maybe so get them on my show, but they're weird about it. You know, so we'll figure that yeah. out. So before I went to go see Rick, he sent me one. And so he signed. A second. Let me move this light. Okay. Can you read that? 
Looks like it says, Marianne, you are a great educator. Keep up, keep up all your good work. Your friend, Jim Rose. Yeah. Okay. So these two people want to give up every fucking time. Every day they want to give up. They still want to give up, but they still show up for patients. Rick Simpson is the most genuine human being. He doesn't have a lot of money because he hasn't capitalized. They just stole from him, like his name, which he doesn't like, by the way. He's not happy about it. So I want to help these guys. And so I'm trying to get this uh, documentary greenlit. And so I wanted to go talk to him eyeball to eyeball to make sure that he still had some fight in him. And, you know, there's things that we need to address, like the federal government has a patent on cannabinoid medicine, why they still go after soldiers and people in states that don't have medical. And, you know, if you're caught with weed in your car and it's not in one of these dispensary little things, you can still get fined, you can still get in trouble, you know? And so he also wrote something in the tin because I thought, am I going to get any weed? No. Can you read any of that? I can't. I can't read any of that. Says, to my friend Marianne, keep up all your good work trying to help others. I took on the United States government starting in 1973. And I hope this tin will help you educate and teach them about the benefits of medical cannabis, open the eyes of others so they too can learn and continue. Good work. Be well, Irvin Rosenfeld, 8-15-2021. And so how I met Irv was in the hallways of Springfield. And so he signed this book in 2014 for me, right? So I met him about 2013. So Irv was there for MPP. And they were at this Italian restaurant. I'm not going to say the name. And so Mike and I were there and we were there with his wife, B. And so he stepped away from the lobbyist table and he went upstairs to the bathroom. And so like I waited for like five minutes or so. And so then I ran up the top of the stairs and I waited against the wall and I just stood there. And so he came around the corner and I said, hi, my name is Marianne. I'm an advocate and I've been down here since 2008 and I know you're here with MPP but I gotta tell you um, they put patients in roach motels and they're not really here for the patients and this is a shit bill and um, you you know I know you're here for them but really you gotta help us and so he said Mary I didn't I didn't know that I said well it's true and so then that was the last time he went there for MPP and we remained friends um, and when I had bad days and I wanted to give up, like went after I, before I went to the Capitol and when I went to farmers and I was pushing it and I knew I was pushing the envelope and, you know, Lou had the gavel one day when we went to farmers the first day and I went up to the Capitol part where everybody sits in the gallery and when you go up to the gallery, right, the bow of it, it goes like this and you're basically looking straight down the aisle to the gavel. And Madigan's hardly at the gavel. Somebody else is always doing it. So that day it was representative of Lou Lane. And he had just moved his office from the main floor 
to the third floor, which is Madigan's office. So I knew that if something happened to the speaker, that he would be the speaker probably next, right? And so I feared, I feared that really badly for the patients and the industry and all of that. And so at this point, Mike and I were told by many people, including Dan Lynn, who kind of slid to the dark side a bit. Sorry, Dan, I love you, but you did. <laughs> so um, I, uh, we did what we could. So I went up to the gallery and I just kind of held my hand, you know, my arms like this, kind of just leaning in and like willing him to stare at me, like right in my eyeballs. Like, just, do you see me here? I know you said I'm not supposed to be here, but like, I'm here and so I just want you to know that like, I'm gonna be walking through the building and I'm gonna be here. And so he looked up and I could see like, if you look at, go back to that photo of the, uh, of the greater business, so government association, he's got this like vein that comes out when he's really angry. And so that was like, I could see it from afar and I was like, okay, I had a nerve. So I'm just doing my civil duty, trying to help my local farmers, you know, like screw you asshole. So, um, and then I, yeah, I proceeded to go to senators and representatives office with farmers that had many, many, many acres, many. Well, and the, the hemp bill turned out better, right? Yeah. Yes. Did they listen right. to farmers more because like farmers versus patients, farmers have money and they can like well, fund an ad couple, or two. They have a couple ag committees, don't they? Right, yeah. So our legislators get paid $72,000 for those that don't know, let me give you a little education, $72,000. If they like you, they put you on a few committees. So if you sit on a few committees, you're making 10 grand each extra just for that. They're not sitting on it because they feel nice about it. They're there to get the extra money and to be a little checker placeholder for them. Yeah. And uh, if they chair a committee and have the gavel of that committee, they make 20 grand. So they could put them on as many committees and, you know, gavel as many as they want. But still, you're talking at most, that. are you talking at most like 150,000? Like what's the most you could make as, as a legislator? Like I don't above know. Table? Our, our, our our congressional ones make a shitload of well, money. Well, you know, I mean, the CROO gets like what two hundred thousand dollars a year. But, uh, but I, the yeah. reason I asked that question is because it's a thought I've had not only with Illinois state government, but just like you know, if you're like a you know an actual senator or whatever, um, yeah. like you don't make like sure that's good money, like a lot better than what a lot of people make. But when it comes to like the decisions you're involved in making, yeah. you could yeah. see why somebody would be attracted to that position with quote unquote low pay. So for example, and like, yeah. I don't do mean to, it's do hard for me to like. So here, how do you think you're going to meet the executives of, um, Commonwealth Edison. Yeah, I hate to use this example because people are great, like the wrong people will use this as slanted, but but just for example, like just yeah. to take it to zoom out a little bit, um, like Nancy Pelosi with stock trading and stuff, yes. right? Or just anybody, but but she's yeah. a well-known one, right? Where she's yeah. like apparently fucking calling, like a, she's either the best 
like she's just you know a fucking born stock trader or she's privy to information (laughs) that would give her a benefit when it and it's not just her that's why i wanted to be went to jail because her ex-son-in-law said that she you know her trader called her and said you need to dump all your shit and so (laughs) she did and then she lied about it martha stewart went to jail yeah i mean are you kidding me yeah sorry i feel like i spun us off track where where were we at before that i do have a question of something you brought up earlier but i i don't want to spin us off track because i feel like i just did that well it's (laughs) it's just going back to the oh oh you were talking about how you know they make seventy two thousand, but then they can get on the committee so now they're making two hundred and fifty thousand or whatever it is sure we pay for their vehicles if you Mm -hmm. ever go into the parking lot of springfield you should because you're paying for some nice vehicles (laughs) um so and their children get to go to college for free and free health care um and again socks tickets and cubs tickets and man all that stuff they get and what do we get we get told that we can't come in the capital to to advocate for our local citizens i don't know that doesn't sound right does it no, it's crazy. <laughs> this is Illinois. This Thank is, you, Philip. This is Thank why you, you have yeah. podcasts so they can understand how crazy it is and what it means to pay to play. And now Mike Madigan, oldest speaker of the house anywhere in the United States of America. Yeah. See, I'm glad I want to give I'm glad I'm glad I have Philip on here because sometimes when people say shit like that, I'll be like, I'm just so high sometimes when I'm doing this podcast. I'll be like, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's crazy. But the way that you just said it, you're like, that's crazy. Like that I'm so I'm glad that you joined us for this conversation. Cause like your perspective is very I mean, it's crazy, but it's also business as usual in Illinois. Like yeah. Marianne Cole Cole's younger than uh, we are, so he doesn't remember like the George Ryan scandals, and he okay. doesn't know about like the hired truck scandal in Chicago. But I was yeah. like telling him about these things, and I was yes. like, I was like, look, there was already a scandal called licenses for bribes. Yeah, like this would have to died. be the whole family yeah, died. That's how it was found out. Each yeah, of their children and the parents lived. It was just ungodly. Hold on, but just the idea what? that. Who died? What did we? Uh, sorry, I, I didn't hear that. Well, there clearly. was a car act. They were selling. Uh, oh, oh, that's that's right. Yeah, trucking you told me licenses. That. Yep, okay. They're selling trucking licenses. Right. To anybody and everybody, and this guy ran over a whole family, and right. he didn't have a license. Sorry, I he thought you were bringing up something totally separate. And he, he didn't understand anything. So he's talking no, about but- the shyster. He's talking about the shysterness in Chicago. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what they're just like, cap- that's what the state and, you know, Chicago, Springfield, that's what they're capable of. <laughs> They've been, no, since I often that's joke. That's like the culture. Yeah, I often joke that I don't think that um, that El Capone's dead. I think it's like weekend at Bernie's and they just kind of like shuffle them around and like make these decisions under like the curtain of like dead Bernie on the corner or something. Or he, I, or he is dead, but his spirit lives on in all of us. <laughs> well, yeah. Out of the last seven governors, four of them have gone to jail for racketeering. And now our longest house the speaker is Michael Madigan at 60629. And he, um, 
and he's gotten indicted under 44 counts of racketeering, 22 under bribery for Commonwealth Edison, our electric company, and giving ghost jobs and being on their boards and taking tons and tons of money. And then number two, AT&T, and number two so far, just that's a new indictment with another 20 counts of uh, racketeering. So Commonwealth Edison now has to pay $200 million to our government that none of us are gonna see. We're not getting any money back from ComEd. Everybody needs to call ComEd and say, that's not fair. We need to get some of that money back. Um, and- I, uh, I would love to know uh, if you think, I mean, I would th I think you do, but are is are there any investigations going on currently in the Illinois cannabis? Do you think? I mean, other than the ones we've read about with like Green Thumb. Yeah, I'm gonna say that when the Chicago Tribune uh, told Michael Madigan that he was being investigated by the FBI early, early on before he got indicted under 44 counts of racketeering, um, he said. That's, you know, not true. I never done anything illegal. And, you know, I, I'm not being investigated by the FBI. And then, bam, you know, a year later, 22 counts, 22, another 20 counts. He has until March to look at all of those accounts and what they're going to start um, sending him to court for as a trial in around March or April. And he's taking nine legislators with him. And if you go back and start reading some of these, um, they've got like, you know, A, uh, which is McLean, B, which is, I, I, you know, I'm lost, like it's, it's Solis or whoever just went to jail. Number C um, is either Representative Lou Lang or Representative Rita. So they're C and D. I don't know who's D or well, C. And Bob but, Rita takes a, takes a good amount of cannabis money. Well, they, they, they've been quoted by the Chicago Tribune. So I will, I will take their word for it per se. And um, then uh, last article was March, 2021, Chicago Tribune stating Green Thumb Industries um, was being looked at by uh, the Federal Bureaus of Investigation, which is the FBI. And they hurry up and said, uh, got their PR people and tried to bully, I think the Chicago Tribune. And they said to the editor that you should tell us who your source is or um, you should retract the statement and the story. And the Chicago Tribune on that, and there was like, there was another one where if you like put Green Thumb Industry PR company goes after Chicago Tribune it's, or something like There's like three things, like three stories or things I hear about Green Thumb that like strike me as odd. And it's one is that people always refer to them as like the only profitable MSO. I think something about their books is like, they're one of the main ones who's actually turning a profit. Mm -hmm. All those people who resigned from their board recently. Yeah, recently, their lawyer. And, their and lawyer. this story about this investigation from like yeah. a year or so ago. Like those three things, I'm just like, something ain't adding up. <laughs> Truth, I don't know. It's not adding up. So there's an article out there, Cole, Cole, that they had their PR team 
go after the Chicago Tribune. And the editor said, yes, not only, yes, yes, they denied it. And they, they may, because anything in Crane's news is, is like a feeder to the, the certain MSOs. It's, it's like they write it and then send it to Crane's and Crane's like, oh, yeah, we'll write this for you. It's, it's bizarre. And I don't know yeah. why Crane's does it, but they do it. And so I trust the Chicago Tribune. Let me read this for some of our listeners uh, really quick. Um, Green Thumb Industry, the headline is, uh, if you're wanting to look it up later, Green Thumb Industries responds to the report of federal investigation. It's good to just read it if, in case somebody's listening and not watching. Um, Green Thumb Industries on Wednesday released a statement saying that the company, quote, possesses absolutely no evidence to corroborate claims that there is an open investigation by federal authorities, end quote, following a story published Monday, which this was in like March of 2021, by the Chicago Tribune about an investigation into possible pay-to-play violations. Green Thumb called the headline on the Tribune story, quote, misleading, end quote, and demanded a retraction. Um, And the Tribune stood by its reporting and said they will continue to pursue the story. According to the story, which was based on information from sources, investigators have been scrutinizing campaign donations and other steps Green Thumb Industries took as it sought to secure growing and distribution licenses in Illinois and several other states. I'll stop after this. In its statement, Green Thumb said it first learned of the alleged probe into supposed violations regarding obtaining licenses from a Chicago Tribune reporter who cited unnamed sources shortly before the article was published. So definitely an interesting uh, story. And I think, Philip, we covered in episode 232 that GTI uh, donated $600,000 alone. Am I wrong in that? In, in Ohio? Um I don't remember that specific Ohio detail, bill was but... called. Do you remember that? The first Ohio bill it, after folks. our bill I don't wanna... was called Monopoly Bill. Do you remember that bill? And it did not well, go through. That's what I'm referencing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they, yes. they put like $600,000 so into that. Gotta, it's, there's a dot and there's another dot and then there's like another dot and then there's like another dot. You just got to like one of those kid little drawing things that you just connect all of the abcs no well, and i'm also it. remembering there was like there was some lawsuit with green thumb a while ago too it was like a guy who claimed to have founded the company and been like uh pushed out and he claimed that like ben kovler had like said like i like i'm gonna make this work because of my connection like my family's connections yeah. in this state and city like without me you're gonna be nothing yes there there that is true there was a Gentlemen. So it's like there's many dots. <laughs> there's many dots. Yeah, and, and what you start to feel like after a while is this. Um, and sorry for the listeners, I can't really yeah. tell you describe this, but you start to feel like this guy over here, this meme, Pepe Silvia. I don't watch Always Fun, Sun, Always Sunny in Philadelphia enough so to know I'm this saying, reference. Yeah, the drawings but, yeah. of of all see all those dots and square and all that. Uh huh. Just know. I wrote all of the things down. <laughs> so that's you. In that's... between the dots, no. I, I was. I was going to say in that in that article. Figure out what I just wrote down. I was yeah. going to say in that article when they said citing unnamed sources, Marianne. 
I, you know what? I will take um, no take the fifth on that one. In saying anything about anything except I trust the Chicago Tribune and I trust the FBI tremendously. I trust them more so than I trust our legislators. And I know some people out there are salty about the FBI and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Hey, uh, I got. I mean, in a state like I, Illinois, I they're almost there. a. In a state like Illinois, they're almost a. Ch they're almost like another branch of government for us. They're like a check yeah. on our legislature. <laughs> yeah. Chicago so Tribune. When you have reporters like Ray Long, and you have the Better Government Association writing, these are like top journalists. Like you don't get better journalists than this, honestly. That are here for our citizens, and some of the time, yes, there's some bad journalists, but these are not bad journalists. They're not. They're go-getters. They're telling us the story. They're telling us the truth. Whether we read it or not, they are telling us the truth. And yeah. so I will stand by that. So I think this was reported by the Tribune. Speaking of the Tribune, Ohio voters soundly rejected a proposed constitutional amendment in 2015 that would have legalized recreational and medicinal marijuana while giving an advantage to the wealthy investors bankrolling the measure. Yes. Um, in fact, GTI. 2015. Yeah. So Kurt, Kurt Steiner was quoted as saying voters were outraged that all that money to be made on marijuana was going to be limited to a few. So that was the end of his quote. Um, he basically said it was going to be controlled by a monopoly. So the oh, Tribune, the Tribune reported, in fact, GTI Ohio was among top con contributors to the effort, donating more than $600,000 to a political action committee pushing the plan, according wow. to Ohio Secretary of State records. Wow. So that's what that's I was referencing. So, so let's go back to 2015. Well, GTI, GTI also gave a lot of the startup money for the Medical Cannabis Alliance here. Yeah. Yes. And Pam Althoff was a no on the medical cannabis bill. Mm -hmm. Let me state that very, very clearly. She did not vote in favor of it until why did what what were some things? Did she ever is she let me ask this question, I guess. I'm not gonna beat around yeah, like, the bush. Is she involved at all with law enforcement? Like or, sorry, Phil, what are you gonna ask? Them? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but I know that she um, it, she did not vote for the medical cannabis bill. Uh, so I can tell you that, and it's kind of funny that she's on the you know medical cannabis alliance or whatever. She just says things that leads one to wonder um, whether or yeah, not she might be. <laughs> Every single one of them. All no, the but I mean, she's literally said, like, Phil, because oh, I wonder too, because like yeah. the Medical Cannabis Alliance, like the law firm she like pays yeah. through them, like yeah. works with the Fraternal Order of Police. Right. Yeah. So, well, a I just, lot of you know, you wonder, and she's from like went to the police, right? Because they were like, oh, so scared. So we have to like, okay. So like I said, we need to figure out where all that money went from the beginning of the licenses. So if you look at who the lawyers were for these places, so let's look at, shall we say GTI? Since we're talking about them. Their lawyer was Mr. McLean, who is Michael Madigan's right-hand man, lawyer, friend, confidant that has been indicted by the FBI for sure. Sure, indicted already. 
went to court, all of that. Now he's going to be arraigned. So, and then you mentioned in one of those articles, was it PTS? Mm -hmm. Their lawyer was a man by the name of Sam Borak. Now, the sponsor liked to say this name a lot. And there's a reason why he liked to say this name a lot. Quoted this name in articles um, all the time because that was his college roommate. And he was very fond of his college roommate. Uh, apparently so. That um, he unfortunately, I think, passed away and PTS still got a license. And so that's pretty miraculous as well, since it was a blind process. So one must question. Yeah, Phil, you were- a blind process. And everybody that's trying to put more money into the industry, when people wait, so like- who, Wait, who died from PTS? Um, their lawyer. What was their name again? Some Sam Borat, Sam Borat. like like as in like uh, Borat. my wife, yeah. like that Borat. Just put the, just put the words. And he was he was Borat. like roommates and well, when he, was, he was roommates and friends with who? Uh, sponsor of the bill, Representative Lou Lang was his roommate. Oh, okay, okay. And there's been many articles out there where Lou referenced like his roommate would say to him. So you got this bill. You never smoked pot in college, but you got this bill. Chuckle, chuckle, oh. chuckle. Um, yeah, because PTS was. It's also like this guy David Flood is affiliated with them, and he yeah. also kind of yeah. helped start out that medical cannabis alliance, and, and also like might have and, some ties to Verano. And if you look back, that Kayvon was uh, a part of Cresco. He was also a part of um, progressive treatment. Right. That's what I was like, kind of saying there was some link in that article. It's like, and, it seems like these companies have common. Law, you're not supposed to put your name on more than three, allegedly. <laughs> I mean, they make it up as they go along. I can't, it, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So he was. CEO of Cresco, um, and he was a consultant for Denver Relief. And by law, you're not supposed to have somebody that's not from Illinois. Like that's you know the main big reason why we put that kind of in there. Um, and so uh, yeah, so it's just really a tangled web, and it it needs to be untangled so everybody knows. Oh, but it's. It's also like hard to untangle it because it's confidential by law, right? Like a lot of the um, stuff. Yeah, the Chicago Tribune tried to put out a FOIA asking for the licenses of the gross and the names, and they wouldn't allow it. They said for safety reasons, which they were all getting press or trying to get press at the time because, you know, they were getting the famous cop to go on their license and. They were doing all this kind of stuff. So if you're getting press, um, then that's not, you know, that's not. What are you referencing? Confidential. <laughs> well, it almost seems like it's like it's confidential in the way that they just don't want to tell you anything. 
They don't want like, to tell you're, you. You're free to like license. Who? Where? Where was the address of the license? That's what they didn't want to tell us. And my question is, why? I mean, because in the law, it literally says they can't. But the question about that is yeah. why. And and right. we've covered it in episode two thirty two, but we're going to cover it again, and we're going to cover it again in the future because it's part yes. of it's really crucial in, in part yes. two. But uh, basically, sponsors of the bill actually openly pondered whether or not it might be a good idea to you know make that data public, and ultimately, for some reason, I don't know why um, they didn't decide to do that. I don't know. Because sure. they were going to pretend to redact it and going back to 232 and the letters and the lists and how now, many. I was being facetious or however you say that. I'm too high to use words. But, so, I, you know, I was just trying to say that the private yeah. interest didn't want that data public. That's what I was trying to say. No, they didn't. They didn't. And I also didn't want them to advertise. And what I meant was billboards. I didn't want to be driving down the road and it become Vegas and craziness and nutsness all over the place. So I put a provision in there so they couldn't do that. And I put the provision in there that um, the ag that they couldn't, uh, the growers couldn't um, advertise to the public. Oh, and, and uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I didn't mean to. No, go ahead. I was just going to say Philip brought up a really interesting point. I can't remember when, again, the cannabis, uh, but, uh, you, you know, Jeff Cox, former, uh, you know, head of medicinal plant Bureau of medicinal plants in the state of Illinois is what, what is he now? Um, he said he was like on the, Oh, he works at PTS. Yeah. Oh. So it's like, interesting. There's PTS again. <laughs> there's, a, there's also, um, you know, a lot of articles on there about the revolving door and how, um, you know, before Ronner took over, uh, this girl that worked at the ag department left and started uh, the Cannabis Association, I think with all those guys too. Um, and so then since then it hasn't stopped. And just as a recent, um, Governor Quinn was gloating that they got the first social equity license downtown Chicago, which is located on Ontario Street and Well Street. Um, and it's on the left side. It's a pretty big building. It's right there. Um, and so it's got a big giant green flower pasted on the side of it. And who is part of that is um, Mr. Jay Stewart, who ran the whole uh, dispensary division of licenses at the beginning and they liaisonsed with Bob Morgan. And also uh, Ross Morale or Moreal who like co-founded yeah. Ataraxia and also co-founded the Medical Cannabis Alliance. <laughs> yes, and uh, his partner was uh, McAuliffe, Representative McAuliffe who kept voting no um, around displays. That's his wife. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. Yeah, there's also a former cop who I, at one time, I believe, worked in some kind of advisory role in narcotics. Yeah. Well, there's uh, Perry uh, Mandera. Did you, did you Google Perry Mandera gets a cannabis license? 
Well, because there's something in the law that like you have to be of savory character to get a license or like. Well, this man owns a few strip joints in the city of Chicago and he owed the city of Chicago a lot That's of money. That's pretty savory. Too much skin. And um, I'm just sorry. I'm he had to pay that fine before he can get a cannabis license. Oh, that's Is this what you're talking about? Medical dispensary yes. license owned by former strip club Honcho uh -huh. yeah. is latest to earn license yeah. to sell recreational yeah. weed. Yeah. The Herbal Care Center owned by Perry Mandera. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Well, now it's owned by Verano, I believe. Yeah, sold it. You sold it for a lot of money. A lot. Mm. So see, that's how the circle goes. Like when you weave the web, eventually there's someone there who's also unweaving the web. So we all have to pay attention, folks. We have to read articles and we're gonna go back to 232 at another time. We're gonna analyze what you boys have on that. I'm gonna watch it. Everybody yeah. else needs to watch it so we can catch up on that because this is some interesting things that no one's looking at. And so when the FBI says that GTI is being investigated because their lawyer has been indicted under racketeering for Commonwealth Edison and for AT&T and maybe possibly every other fucking thing they've ever done or had their hands into. And the biggest one after that is probably gaming and probably uh, cannabis. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it just seems so, uh, like there's so many hands and fingers in the cookie jar. Yes, that's why they don't. <laughs> like it just seems so big. Like they're like- You can't do a what, FOIA gonna, to like, find out where it originally do, like, started. Well, yeah. yeah. Speaking of gaming, uh, there's actually, I believe, a, a gaming company that won some dispensary or maybe even craft cultivation license. I know for sure dispensary licenses. Um, it's like Lucky Lincoln or something like that. Um, it's a. I'm, I'm sure. I, I don't know how they, getting back to GTI, I don't know how they have a smoke lounge. So you have a front door that you go in the dispensary. Oh, yeah. You sent me these pictures earlier. Let's, can okay. I, should I share them? Uh, this, at yeah, least this, in these there's, photos, there's not a body. Yeah. I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, um, yeah, yeah. Bad joke. So, um, which, which one is the, you said I can share the ones of yeah, Monday? Go ahead. It's the one with all of them in there. Show that one. Let's get see some one. of these pictures of the, the, it's the outside, but yeah, here I'll, I'll share. So and I guess what we'll they, roll in, with it. in you, you put something down about something happening in Mundelein, right? Yeah, we reported on a, a, a dead body. That was the horrible joke that I was making. Was, was GTI. Mm. I mean, rise. Yeah. Is this what we're looking at here? Yeah, we're looking at that. So that was yeah. called something else before it was rise. They had a different name for their dispensary. Um, so next to it is a building that's a smoke lounge. Okay. Well, this is the smoke lounge or what? right next to it. And there's a hallway that goes to it, like that black can you, hallway, I think. Sorry, can you clarify which one is the smoke lounge and the left or the right? So to the right is the dispensary. Yeah. Okay. And to the left, I think they bought the building that is the smoke lounge. And in cool. between there, you can get in from one hallway to the smoke lounge. Is that that? No. Now that is a second smoke lounge. So, okay, allegedly, uh. 
you're not supposed to take pictures. Just allegedly, I just want you to know that. Why the hell not? So when you walk in, there is a smoke lounge right there. Now, they built it, not realizing you're not supposed to. So they don't use that one. So they have right there, they have a way to go through. Is this the hallway? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason you have one entrance in a dispensary and another exit that's not the same way you came in is to make sure nobody robs the joint and hurts any of your employees by the fucking way. Number one. Number two, we didn't want smoke lounges or anything like that or public bathrooms for God's sake. Why? You're to go in and you're to go out. If there's a smoke lounge five blocks away or whatever, okay, you're not supposed to hang out and congregate at the dispensary for safety reasons. For medical, you mean? For safety reasons of robbing the place because there's so many people there. If you have one security you're talking guard. Just cause, you're talking just because at, at the time currently there's still big targets for being robbed. Yes. Yeah. There's still targets for being robbed. And they're not keeping their employees safe by having a smoke lounge on site that, you know, in a public bathroom that someone can use to overdose in. So my question is, were they in the public bathroom? Yeah, or and the lounge of the yeah. facility. So because apparently they built a lounge when you walk in that you're not supposed to use because you're not supposed to congregate. Right. And so they figured, well, we'll just get the building next door and yeah. we'll just, you know, make that as a lounge bar, but it's still attached to the dispensary. You have a lot of money there. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of merchandise there. Your target, now you're putting a lot of people in danger. And I know this might sound, oh, she's going crazy or she's going left field. Lounges are the next new thing. Totally is. I agree. I don't drink alcohol. I only take bud. That's it. Nothing else. And so I agree with that. I would love to go have a cool lounge, somewhere music too. But it should not be near the dispensary. People are delivering things all day long with trucks and things. Yeah. It just, well, it should not. I want to, uh, we'll get back to that, but I want to be very clear about the story you just referenced. I don't know that they overdosed. I don't know that they use the public restroom versus the customer's restroom, or if there's even a difference. There that is. I don't know. All was you confirmed. I'll show you. There's a public bathroom. Okay. Uh, if you're in line, you can get out and you can use. Yeah, but I just wanted to be very clear about what was yeah. confirmed to me. The only okay. detail that was confirmed to me, and I'll yeah. show the picture of the bathrooms, is that somebody died wow. there. Um, and you it wasn't how they died? No, none of that none of that okay. information has been shared with me. Uh none none how about this? Nothing confirmed has been shared with me. We're looking at a picture of the restrooms right now. All right, just you know, you know, just kind of a picture of the doors. Um, so but lo here's what I'll say about this really quick is just that, um, you know, all that's been confirmed by GTI is that now what I've heard is that and this is just what I've heard is just mm -hmm. that it was an older woman that may have yeah. fell. And unfortunately, she didn't get the attention she needed. 
and she was in there for quite a while as a result of that. And, and unfortunately she passed on. Like it doesn't, it sound to me, it doesn't sound like it's like anything, anything super anything fucking like crazy. Yeah. It doesn't sound okay. like that, but again, Good. that's just what I've heard. So I don't know for a fact. Um, now to your, to your other thing, I like completely disagree with you, to be honest. <laughs> like I, really? I don't, yeah, the cons- I don't, I don't mind a consumption lounge. Like would not- I rather it not be? No, but I, I see where, I see where she's coming from. Like it, I don't think necessarily we have that problem here yet because there aren't enough of them necessarily. Yeah. But um, I mean, well, they did get robbed during the riots. Right. But and like, we'll be covering you know, there's that. there's yeah. other states where people have been murdered, including customers yeah. shopping in dispensaries, like yeah. in the course sure. of robberies. But but like what? And I'm honestly asking you what you just brought up and Marianne, you as well, both yeah. of you, please address this. What? How are you correlating that with the consumption part of the establishment? So, Just because there's more people there or what? You're incre- yeah, I mean, you'd have more cars in the parking lot. You'd have more people on site. It just makes it hard to make it a secure location, yeah. I guess would be the argument. Yeah. Well, when we were trying to write the bill, and if you, should, you saw that. <laughs> we do that. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we it. do that with bars. You know. No, but you saw in California. I guess again, the cash isn't back, there. California and even Michigan as even yeah. a few years ago, they were getting raided. And whoever's in there was getting raided as well. True, true. So if you're standing in line, they're coming in the raid in the joint, okay? That yeah. did happen. People were well, getting- Well, and raided. What, you're say- what you're saying is that in the law, there's something about not congregating, like in the dispensary? We wanted it to be in that. It was an mm. HB 30 of like, that's why you walk in one door and you walk out another door. You don't walk in the same door. But that's gotcha. like in the regulations, right? In, or in, in the, in the regulations. And so we wanted to make sure that we wanted even more. We wanted it almost like you can't touch the reg- so, register. You can't touch <laughs> you you can't get behind the counter right. to get to the filler. Like you're behind glass and, and but- you, we wanted it to be where you get, you know, it's almost like a bank thing that came at you. Yeah. So you're, you're protected as the employee because today I could have hopped right over. No one checked me for a gun, no metal detector. There was one security guard who was leaning, reading the paper when I came in, didn't even know you're, you're just look at the back of my license for a second. I mean, I, usually when I go door, into it, and you I don't shop. I think the a couple of the dispensaries I remember going to in Illinois, I don't remember them having like a bulletproof glass setup necessarily when you go in. Like a lot of times when you go to a dispensary in Michigan, it's only going to be one or two people working, at least yeah. when the ones I'll go to. And right. so it'll be like you walk into a room and yeah. you're locked in that room and they're yes. behind like at Symphonia Farms, Cole, like you walk in, you show them your ID, it's all behind bulletproof glass until they buzz you in. Yes, that's what we were trying to do in Illinois. So I'm not trying to like- But to be clear, you're saying that did not happen. Back to Phil's question. You're saying that did not- That's how we wanted these dispensaries to be. Right. So you go in, you get your cannabis, you get the hell out, all the employees are safe. Yeah. Uh, so when people are coming, transferring the weed or delivering different shipments and money is going out as well, because you have your whole blue team coming to get your money. And you're putting a lot of people at risk at that time. Okay. When you're opening, when you're closing, we actually wanted 
double doors. Mike and I went like we were, we wanted everybody to be secure. So can so I, if you, can yeah. I ask this question? If it was off, if the consumption site itself, which would allow people to congregate was just separate from the retail gosh, side, you would be okay with that? Me. Yeah. I mean, if it was like I'm actually locked separate, I'm for consumption lounges, not next to the dispensary where you're collecting money. Yeah. Me. It's coming still, and going and you're yeah. putting a lot of people at risk when they're standing in line. It's a perfect opportunity because they don't want anybody to get hurt. Yeah. And so they could just rob you blind and no one's thinking that. And I'm sorry, I don't want to be like the freaking pit party, but when no, we started, yeah. it was to, you know, safe, affordable access. But that, that, and that's that. what, that's like my part of it is like, uh, we have none of it. That we don't have that. So like, that's why my argument is not a, it doesn't come from a very, a place of power because it's like we, because so much money is being exchanged because cannabis is so goddamn expensive. You guys are making a fucking great point that yes, there's liability there. So that's why I'm asking like, okay, if it were partitioned, like by a locked door where the people could congregate, then would it be okay? Okay. I but yeah, you're making Tiffany. a great point. Like I work because... for Tiffany. And and when you work for Tiffany's, they they tell you like the whole security. Yeah. So you walk in the back door, there's a double door. You walk in, other door shuts. You can have maybe 10 or 15 employees in this little room. Yeah. You check the guy checks us out, make sure it's us. No one else snuck in this room, right? In this truck, in this whatever the crap. And the other door opens. So we wanted to have that as a delivery system to protect the manager who has to sign off on it, the delivery people, or anybody at risk at that moment. But nobody cares. And well, that, and yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah. that isn't, like, I feel like I don't remember seeing that at Illinois dispensaries, like, as a retail customer when you go in. I feel like a couple yeah. times I, I feel like it was even, like, a security guard outside maybe even checked an ID and then, like, let you into the building in general. No metal but, detector, yeah. no nothing. And no, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I've ever gone through a metal detector to get into a shop, but like in, I remember. I in can Vegas, tell you certainly, like, I have never gone to one in Illinois with one because the I first dispensary, I, the first dispensary I ever went to in Vegas had these like two guys with giant assault rifles strapped to them, and it was like one of those like you buzz in. And then you're in that room, and it was just like you standing in there with these two guys, it's like. Hey See, that's, that's what I'll say. The dispensaries I've been to in Champaign, they remind me of Symponia Farms and that. And by that, I mean, you know, you go into like a kind of a lobby or what they call a vestibule, yeah. I think. And yeah. there's this like bulletproof. No, but this is in Illinois, two shops in, in Illinois, in uh, yes. Champaign to oh, be specific. Okay. They have vestibules and it appears to be bulletproof glass and you get buzzed in and it's frustrating. Like I remember, I don't go there often, but I remember sometimes it's like you grab the door too early and they're like, nope, no, it's the whole thing out of the movies where it's like, nope, wait till it buzzes. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, yeah, no, that, I mean, that exists at least where I've been. That's pretty crazy to hear that in Chicago, you just kind of. I mean, at least from what I remember. And, Cause they I, like I fucking mean, it is, scan my card. Well, it know? is like you get you get access to the building general. Like I'm thinking of like, maybe like the herbal care center. Like you walk into the building, you're kind of in like a lobby where you deal mm -hmm. with someone. I don't necessarily remember there being like bulletproof glass though. No, for these like employees. Do you have any of those pictures that, that I sent you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've got them up still. Um, 
yeah, hold on just a second. Were the were those of the inside of GTI? Yeah. 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 I'll pull those back up. I only have one though of the inside that you sent there's, me. There's um besides the bathroom. Yeah, no, there should be um here's the one that you sent me. A couple of them of people like standing in line. All right, that's that's in that's in Mundelein. But I thought I sent you another one, no? Of is it like seven. outside or what? What are you referring That's to? Because the these are, I'll t- I can show you the, these are the four pictures you sent me and then the bathroom one. Okay. I sent one of their location, I think in Joliet. Hmm. I'll try to find that one really quick, but maybe you can try to resend that to me because I'm not, I don't know that I'm seeing it. Okay, here. I don't know if I got any of the window. I don't think but- I got any of the window. Yeah. While we're pulling that up, Philip, I'm just curious. I've got some questions on the back burner, but um, like I told you off air one time, I tend to just machine. Gun. I, well, I was going to ask Marianne about a, a quote of hers from a different thing I saw her on. Yeah. Okay. She said, we can't go union on the plant. We're no. not doing that with cannabis. Nope. <laughs> Fuck you. So why I'm don't, sorry. why don't, why don't you like the union movement in cannabis? Because we worked hard to get, you know, this plant here and now you're going to walk out on it because you're not getting enough money. You're not getting enough, whatever. I mean, yeah, we got to keep an eye on the business owners and the assholes don't give a shit about their employees. And that's why I said security to me is number one, making sure they're safe. They get home, their family's safe because yeah, everybody's like, Oh, it's weed. It's cool. Yeah. I guess it's guy, but it's, it's only gonna take one nut crack on somebody that's going to be like, oh, it's Christmas Eve. They're making a lot of money. They got people in line right now. And and they got a lot of weed here. And let's wait nine o'clock when they close. I mean, it's, it's, they're just, we were supposed to have, they were supposed to have drive in um, that would close the truck in to the building. We had that in. I don't know what happened to that. That was in. So if you were GTI or Cresco and you had rides, you had to have a facility that had a garage. So a truck could come back and in and it would close. And that's what we're talking about having another closed door to keep everybody safe. And no one cares. But what, about, what about why no unions? So you're gonna bail out on the plant and then you're gonna. Like you don't want people. You don't want like strikes, I guess, in the no, industry. No, you're gonna you're gonna walk out. And you're gonna strike. Because my thought, and, my thought about unions, like why I don't like the idea of unions in cannabis, is because uh, unions, by their nature, are protectionist. Yes, and um, ASA. Let's get back to that. ASA had a meeting. Um, Americans for Safe Access had a meeting with our union here our food and beverage union, and they wanted to get them involved. And uh, Mike Graham and I went to that meeting and we said, absolutely not. Um, yeah, we're not, we're not on that. And um, they also had a union guy that was pushing it uh, in 2013 or something out of California. And he went to ASA's uh, one of their meetings in uh, DC. I went to their first one. Um, and uh, that, then I think I went to like their third one. I wasn't invited to the third one, but I went anyway, kind of do that just because, you know, that's when you really find out what they're doing <laughs> when you're not supposed to be there. So, um, 
Yeah, let's just say Steph Shear asked me to be uh, the ASA lead here in uh, Chicago, and she had Mike and I come to a meeting with the union by O'Hare, and he said, uh, no, absolutely. And then after that, it was frigid waters. Um, because I thought you're absolutely crazy. We're not going to let you do that. And then her next MPP meeting, she gave the advocate award to not Mike Graham or not Julie Falco, but to um, the lobbyist for um, the union. Why and why were you like against the union getting involved with that with legalization? Just because their motives aren't it, it like around the whole um, Michael Madigan and the whole unions. And right. The whole, yeah. Yeah. To decide what happens now. And like they're part of the machine. Out of their hands. We try to yeah. get mom pa organizations. We try to say we need more dispensaries. Well, that, that's um, always my funny thing with unions too. Is I'm like. We skipped straight over mom and pop to large corporations and unions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. answer, yeah, like the answer to the way things are in my mind isn't really unions, it's mom and pop. Yeah. Well, that's why I got mad was California, Colorado got to have some of that. And then they came here and they're like, no, 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 no. It's only be 21 and no one gets to decide, and then we're gonna throw unions in there, and then we're gonna throw some monopoly, and then we're gonna do all this other kind, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, we're clearing the board. No, no, we're not doing this. Well, and it's interesting too, yeah, it's like that tie to the guy from Denver with Cresco, and I know one of these new social equity dispensaries like Ivy Hall, it's partially owned by this company World of Weed out of Seattle, but also there's some guy from Denver who is like the other majority owner, like has some experience in Denver. I think his family might be from Chicago, but. So like- That's why I said we have to go back to the beginning. Starbuds is from Denver too, if I'm not wrong. Well, right. I mean, it's like you had, you had to have money, right? To like get into these things. So it's like, yeah. it makes sense that these people are coming from other places and- Sure. But not really sure. Colorado. There was, they had some dispensaries in areas that I went to in California. They weren't like- the greatest little thing in the world. It was kind of scary. Some of them that I went into. Um, so they got to have mom pops. And so did, um, you know, Denver Relief. Uh, Kayvon had a sexy pizza where he had chicks that were hot that delivered pizza. That's how yeah. he made money. And then he invested in Colorado early because it was but early in the game and they had a chance because they didn't understand yet that they could monopolize it. And then they came here and they were so successful. And then they went to Ohio and they went mm -hmm. to the East Coast and they went to Arizona and so on and so on and so on. And they're doing it right now in a neighborhood near you. Yeah, I guess to- Yeah, it seems the only yeah, states that, the only states like, there's certain states that are like smart enough or by their nature are just more free market oriented. Yes. You know, like Illinois just doesn't really believe in like free market principles, you know? So like when someone comes to them and it's like, hey, we can like monopolize this industry and make people pay out the ass for weed and rake in the tax dollars for you. Like they just see that as like a golden opportunity. Well, and actually <laughs> they see it. There's nothing in them that's like, that's wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was talking to Mike Fouché about it and I asked him straight up and I, and I, appreciate his perspective but i just asked him straight up is the point 
Cause like JB Pritzker talked about it at Ivy hall or wherever he did that press conference the other day, you know, he, he took on the criticism of whether or not we should issue more licenses. And he basically said no, because we've seen in States that you do that, you get the, the, the people get edged out. And so by limiting the licenses, let me, he said, by limiting the licenses, you can allow social equity to take place. And so I asked the question is it, so that's our metric among other things. I mean, he mentioned expungements and everything else, but apparently limiting the licenses to artificially inflate the value of the products and the licenses licenses themselves is part of the goal of social equity. And, and they've yeah, been doing it I mean, yeah. how many years now? I don't think anybody should give any money to the state for any more licenses until we go back and figure out what they did. Yeah. Well, they just announced the new uh, process for the new 55. I don't even want to read it because all the processes haven't worked. They just say well, it's I just, a simple I thought one. it was. I thought it was funny because there were like eight or nine steps and none of those steps was get sued and delay everything for two years, which we know yeah. is going to happen, so... Well, you just got to look at Medconics. They're still suing. And my question goes back to you is why? Because they were the first monopoly makers. And the other ones got it because we got it out. I mean, at this point, what do they expect to get out of that? <laughs> like, do they, do they expect these companies to like give them all the money they've made during the course of this monopoly that they succeeded well, in I making? I think they paid what? our legislators a lot of money. And oh, and they didn't they, get their result, right? I mean, it almost seems, yeah, like a personal uh, vendetta. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're still suing at this point. It, it really is. And um, our friend Kayvon, once he won in court against Medponics, he uh, issued a statement on his Facebook page that said that basically it was cleared, right? And it was an Illinois court receipt basically that you know it's been dismissed and he basically said eat my shorts and he posted that from denver and that really that bit me that bit me really hard and i'm sure it's not on his facebook page anymore but don't you worry <laughs> don't you worry about that I can't make this up. I swear. I wish I could. So that's Damn, well, uh, don't believe me. I was about to show the pictures you sent. Oh, there we go. I think maybe they're reloading or something. So I, 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 I couldn't I take any of the desk, but there's a desk around there. It's all open. And then behind that is the filler. Yeah, I had to. I'm about to share these, but I got to make sure that they're staying the way I wanted them because I had to cut people's faces out of them. I don't want to. Yeah, it's fine. No. I don't want to out so, people. As there's a, a cannabis user. There's a line. Um, look at that. There's the line. It goes all the way around to the front. And again, how's that security? There's glass all through the left. Here it comes through oh, here. And then there's our exit sign. I love it. You know, I love the chalk, but I, I think we could do a little bit better than that. Yeah, I'm going to pause my share for a second so I can get to this last picture you sent me. Um, I hope you guys can't. You can't see my screen right now, correct? I can see it. Oh, you no, can't. I oh, see that last picture with the exit. Okay, cool. Huh, weird. For some reason, my hold on a second. I'm just refreshing the page altogether before I pull this one up. So um, that original line went all the way first and all the way around and still waiting. 
there's a lot of people in there and there's maybe like five. I think it's the busiest dispensary in the state, isn't it? Joliet. That was Joliet. Oh, no, no, no. I thought that was Mundelein. The first one was Mundelein. That was their first one. Well, I can't show the last picture because Google will be damned if I do, I guess. Um, It's not reloading for me. Um, But to just kind of paint the picture for what 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 you showed me is it's literally, I mean, yeah, you could just step around the counter. You don't even have to hop over the counter. (laughs) No. So you step around the counter and the filler's right there. So guess I'm saying what one nut job to come in on a day like this, security guards just leaning over, reading the paper. There's yeah. a bunch of people in there. There's a it's bunch just, of weed. It's just not, it's not kosher, Ben. It's not kosher. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm as you can see, I'm still like weird on this one because like I get your point that currently the cannabis is so expensive and currently there's a lot of cash on hand. And in fact, a lot of these companies use that as a talking point to push for the safe banking. They're like, look, we've got so much cash on hand. We need and we don't we don't have any banks to put it in. We're putting our customers at risk. That's what they say. And so it's like they're not doing anything to protect them, as you see, either. Right. They, they make a lot of money. They could have put bulletproof uh, glass in there. Again, we want it to be yeah. like if you got your money from your bank, for Christ's yeah. fucking sake. I think they I finally it, know how to say it. So And you open it and you get your shit. I mean, yeah. come on. Like, really, this isn't rocket scientist. Keep your employees safe. You got right. weed and you got money. And people are robbing banks and the world's going a little nutty. Yeah. Okay. So I get, I wanted to restate this because I feel like I've been stating it wrong the whole time. I feel like I can state this now in a way that's comprehensive because I I haven't been able to say it good myself, like in a way that I feel is follow, you can follow it. So like, uh, right as it is, I can see what you're saying, but I'm asking you what I should have, I should have asked you it this way. Why would you have been pushing for those provisions if you're policy proposal wouldn't have included this it do you get what i'm saying it. now we came up with it we said if banks do it then we should do it okay if fair enough sorry if, i was uh, getting like tripped up on no, that i was like if, what if, so the currency exchange can you get behind a currency exchange yeah anybody yeah. can no, anybody no. get behind a currency exchange no. why because there's a lot of money in the currency exchange right so we said, let's mimic that. Let's keep the employees safe. Let's make sure that we do have things provisioned like that. So it's not tempting and all your employees are safe. I mean, it's not hard. You do it online, you come in, you know what it is. You don't have to be near them. Yeah. You put your ID in there. There's a lot of Michigan drive throughs There's one in Saugatah like that. It's called the yeah. Green Koi. You go in the drive through bulletproof glass they have this thing that comes out you put your license everything in goes back in they put your weed and everything in there and they push it back out they're keeping their employees safe so today could have gone rogue because you know i looked at it and i'm like this is not this is not the way it should be so do you think that a proposal like safe banking would make it so that these because i mean you think about liquor stores like Sometimes you don't even get carded until you get to the register, if that, if right. that. 
Right. But so do you think that it would be job. that if there wasn't so much cash on hand and cannabis wasn't so artificially cash inflated? That- cannabis. What, what makes someone else like crazy? I mean, what, what, what do you think that like the cartel <laughs> dealing cash and cannabis? It's tempting. Yeah. Phil and, and we I were saying it's like out of Ozark. <laughs> we didn't want people to be tempted. We wanted you to get your weed. Amen. We did mm-hmm. all that. But we want to make sure be safe. Get your fucking yeah. weed. Go home, go to the lounge somewhere else, not on premises, and and have a fucking great time. Yeah, well, I guess the one the one thing that uh, ensures them a little safety is all these dispensaries seem to have a staff of like thirty people on hand at most times. Uh, uh, today at Joliet, they did not. They had about four or five, and they had about two three fillers. Oh, interesting. No, maybe no, I, maybe no, just the ones no, I visited were like super super busy. This was super busy, but I said, you guys low in staff because they have a, a section, a little section that you can go into the right. That's usually open if you do your online orders. So you don't have to go into the line, but everybody was in this long line and it was, you know, before Christmas Eve and a storm. And I'm like, what the shit's happening? Like all this display around there. You could have just, how could have well, a shit? I mean, I wonder if they've like uh, cut back on hours. I just like the do. general, I mean, cannabis companies are like laying people off, you know, so. There's merchandise all around here. That should be behind the cases. Should be bulletproof cases, glass below you. You're behind safe and glass. Things are behind you. Everything's online. They got TV sets all over. Like, be smart. Keep your employees safe. Yeah. Okay. Just, just be smart. They don't make a lot of money at all for the upmark. I dream of a day where safe banking is a thing or whatever it takes so that these concerns are no longer a thing. And so that cannabis is just like going to a produce market where they might just have it out so that you can go up and put your face in a jar, you know, and just, how about that? Well, fair enough. But you know, like Phil, Phil, Philip was saying earlier, uh, not everybody's able to do that. And so, you know, to be able to go to, you know, just like I say, it would be just like a farmer's market or something. I I feel like that should be an option, but Hey, I want to wrap up here soon just because we've, uh, as, as Philip said, last uh, episode we did, uh, this is like a Marvel length uh, version of the Chillinoy podcast or Marvel movie link. We just get to talking. Yeah. We just get to talking. I wanted to give, <laughs> I wanted to, so first of all, you, you kind of, you talked about a few different people, but you said Dan Lynn went to the dark side. Yeah. Um, in, in, you know, out of, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but you kind of said that vaguely. What exactly do you mean? Did you mean by that? So Dan was in the trench. We were in the trenches with Dan at the beginning, you know, and getting doors. And once again, he was the executive director of Illinois Normal for folks listening or that may have forgotten. Yes, him him and Ali, God bless them, literally. They started this movement. They worked their ass off. Um, They tried to look the part and be part of it and really work good legislation. And I think towards the end, people get tired, you know, and they get jaded. And I think people are like, well, let's just fucking pass something. And my grandma and I were like, no, we're not going to pass anything unless it's something decent, unless it includes everybody, fair chance. Because we just put in 
all these fucking provisions till these assholes do something nice, like get back to the community. You know, how about add some social equity and not be a prejudiced asshole? And how about add some women and some our veterans and our so-called disabled that are more than just able to work in this industry? Some of the, one of the first you know, people that got a license in California was was a disabled man. So I don't want to hear it. I don't like the fact that they blatantly did this on purpose to leave everybody out of an industry. And I'm a one for all, all for one kind of person that, you know, they're the untouchables. And it's all of our responsibility to make sure that we touch them, basically. But so Dan, support, he like supported that. He like supported the, the original vision. And then I think when um, he started also consulting business, right? Uh, under the precedence of trying to help good people. And I think that some of the people that he worked for were just, you know, just, just not your stellar human beings. And so he started like a consulting business and lobbying yeah. and like yeah. taking and money became, from became a manager for a dispensary. Um, and um, so he kind of started working that angle and nothing wrong with that. Like, if, again, nothing wrong with wanting to do that, but also leaving everybody behind in the individual vision was not okay with me. And I got a little salty about that. And I'm, I'm gonna admit it, I did. I got some mic about, you know, we're not leaving, we're not, we're not settling for a shit bill. Not everything we've gone through, we're just, you know, we're not. You know, now that people are aware and we're trying to make people aware and everything else, we're not gonna settle. We're gonna, you know, keep swimming Nemo and we're gonna keep figuring it out. And so it just, burns my bridges when now all these guys are just going to sell out and we're not going to know what really happened. And so I want all of you to know that I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen. You're all going to know what I know. You're all going to walk through the hallways with me and you're all going to be flabbergasted and you're all going to be compelled to do something for your fellow citizens. Thecannabisadvocate.net. The website is in the podcast description, folks. Marion Loncar, this is your second time on the Chillinoy podcast. Did you have a good time tonight? I had a great time. And, and you know, it's nice to be able to talk freely. I feel like I haven't been able to really share my side of the story, kind of what happened. I got dragged through the woods and, you know, papers and everything else. But I just kind of knew that if I told the truth that eventually the rest of the part would catch up and like your, you know, podcast of 232, that all the information that you guys just put together, you know what I mean? That, that has nothing to do with the information that I put together. And so there are people that are curious of like, how did we go from here to here to here to here to here? And yeah, there's missing blanks. And, you know, when you start reading like, oh yeah, now there's this. And then now there's this, and, then, and this guy's this lawyer. And he's, it's like, 
It was supposed to be a blinded fucking process. Everybody else had to redact the whole fucking thing. And you had the balls to do that? That is so not kosher. And so, you know, my South Side wouldn't let me quit. And that's why Irv sent me a tin and told me not to quit. And that's why Rick told me not to quit. And so, you know, there are days I want to quit. And I'm not in the industry because I've been blackballed and banished. So I can't even be in the industry and be part of something that I, you know, I love and want to be part of and being with the patients. And, you know, I came up with this whole thing uh, with nurses of how to find out what strain really works for you, you know, by helping the patients go through that and not selling them bullshit, like one little nugget and with information and how does that feel and come back to us. And so they can get their daytime medicine and their nighttime medicine without trying to fucking figure it out. And we keep changing names from the original names out there, you know, like 8K47. And we've got like in Michigan, you got all the purples that are fabulous. Granddaddy purple is like awesome for pain. Get yourself granddaddy purple. Um, you know, like, yeah, Pineapple Express. It's awesome. It's an awesome plant. Maui Waui. Um, there's a lot of old strains that now are just, they don't give a shit. I give a shit. I want to know what strain works for what. I want to know what patient would benefit for, you know, what indica and what sativa and help them with their pain so they can maintain it and have a job still throughout the day. And none of these people care. They don't care about what's in your weed. They don't care about you. They don't care about their employees or how they treat them. And they don't care if they're doing it right. And I and you and everybody else watching this, we're gonna hold them accountable because we the people have the power in the people to do it. And people say, Marianne, what can I do to help? Two fucking sticky notes on your refrigerator, your state representative and your state senator, who that is, call them every day. If you do that and we all do that, then they will freak out. They'll go to caucus and be like, oh my God, I can't vote for that bill. I just had 500,000 calls and they keep calling me and my staff wants to quit. So I, you know, I can't vote for this and they'll try someone else. And then we do it again and again and again. Like when I lived in Emily McCasey's district, she wouldn't vote for it. So when she came to my door, I invited her in and I said, you have gym shoes from a race you ran in for women's cancer and you're not gonna vote for the medical cannabis bill. Like, what is your problem? She said, I can't. Can't have people growing at their kitchen table, Marianne. I said, why not? It's in their kitchen table. They gotta invite you in, Emily, to see it. And so I called about 50 neighbors and said, Emily McCasey's gonna come knock on your door. You get a total to vote for HB 30. Came to the door. Marianne just called, told us that you have to vote for HB 30 or we're not gonna vote for you. She went to the next house. They told her that. She went a block down. They told her that. That's grassroots effort. That doesn't cost you a fucking dime. No one's asking you to go to the Capitol. You don't have to. Just call them. 
and do not stop. That's the key that we're all missing here. No matter how much money they give them, we still get to vote. So if we're calling them every day and telling them, we're not going to vote for you. Then we're going to tell our neighbor not to vote for you. We're going to tell our other neighbor not to vote for you. And that's how we win. Power to the people. So I wrote a book that, that is on Amazon called The uh, Cannabis Advocate. And it just yeah. kind of tells you about how to be an advocate and how to like amend a bill or get, you know, a sponsor or start grassroots and not know how it's only 60 pages. I made it easy, like, kind of like, this is what you can fly in the seat of your pants and you don't have a badge, you don't have clout and you don't have money, like how to get to these legislators, how to be effective, how to, how to really, really do something good for the common good of all of us. And we all need someone like Rick Simpson. We all need someone like Irv Rosenfeld. We all need someone that's not gonna sell out to the big businesses so we can protect this plant because they're gonna sell out and they're gonna continue to sell out. And then Bear's gonna grow Marinol. Basically. That's so we need to continue this so everybody can get on uh, episode 232. Yeah, I didn't expect to, to have our guests plug that so much, but that was pretty awesome. Because <laughs> we're going to circle back and I'm going to come back as a guest host. Hey, she wants people to know where this all started. Yeah, yeah. Respect. Thank you. I tried. Mike Graham tried. Um, there's been, there's, there was a few, like I said, there was a few that were, were knocking on doors and I'm proud that we didn't settle and I'm proud that we stood still. And now when you see um, legislators going down for pay to play for other ways, and it just shows how they do it, it, it it's kind of hard to discredit when, when you guys see it with your own eyes, right? And now we have Google and we can just Google a name and we can see it's like, oh yeah, well, when was that article written? And when was, so yeah. it, it's- I gotta, I gotta go get to Google and Medponics. Yeah, it's a good read. <laughs> yeah, and you do. just gotta you gotta finish watching that Al Jazeera uh, footage because I couldn't get press, and then I got Al Jazeera, and it was quite funny because people told us they saw us from all over, and so that's what we did. We couldn't get press in our own capital, so we thought, all right, if we get Al Jazeera to follow us through the hallway, how we advocate, so what we have to do that will shame them from other airports and other destinations and whoever's paying them off on a free flight to, you know, Dubai or whatever, that they would see me and Mike at the Capitol still. So yeah. And for folks that want to watch that video that we previewed earlier, if they'd like to see the full thing, it's at the cannabis advocate.net. And if you just click press videos, um, yeah, you'll see it there. It's uh, advocates in the halls sense. of Springfield, please, Illinois. Please. He needs how, our help. Can you give, do you have any information on how they can do that? I do. It's under like the, it's under the advocate part. There's a whole thing about Rick Simpson. 
Okie dokie. Advocate news. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so Richardson folks... had a stroke a couple of years ago and he didn't want to do a GoFundMe and his wife made him and I said, yes. So, um, yeah, he, he's not a citizen of where he lives. So he, um, his wife is, so he's got some medical bills and cause he didn't sell out. He's not a part of anybody. Um, and people approached him, but he's about everybody should just be growing this and making their own medicine and teaching you how to do it. And YouTube He's just, he really is the most genuine human being I've ever met of all these advocates that I've met. And I just want to save them and I want to help them. So please. Yeah. So folks that are watching or folks that are listening, you just go to the cannabis advocate.net at the very top of the page, you'll see advocates news. If you click on that, uh, there's an article about Rick Simpson. And if you click the button that says help donate to Rick Simpson's recovery, well, yep. you can help donate to Rick Simpson's recovery. Um, yeah, it goes so. right to them. It goes right to uh, uh, his uh, foundation. So, and his wife monitors it. And so it's real and it's true. And again, we can all be an advocate. You know, I say this time and time again, you just have to be compelled to kind of care and want to. And if there's enough of us doing it, then they don't have a chance. I don't care who they paid off. I don't care how much money they have. They do not have a chance. Yeah. And not. we can do that together. So let's go back to episode 232. You let me know when you need to pencil me in. Yep. I'll be we'll here do that. And we will continue the conversation of how we got here. Because my fear is more people are going to give their money and they don't stand a chance. Yeah. They don't stand a chance. Well, folks, we hope you found value in this episode of the Chillinoid Podcast. Truly, if you're still listening to me right now, you are a hero. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you didn't listen to episode 232, as we said extensively, go to it. We've got a document that we produced. It's like 20 pages long with citations to all the reporting that we're talking about. You can download that absolutely free and stay tuned for part two. Um, so in part one, we talk about 1978 to adult use. In part two, we're going to start a little bit before adult use and get up to today, whatever that day is. So folks, stay tuned for that. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chillinoy podcast. Take care. <laughs>